Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And across from me, we have David. Spoopy boys. Spoopy boys. Also known as Nightly. Uh, Freddy's actually not here right now. He's not feeling too, too well. So feel better soon, my guy. But we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife, and that's night with a what? K. By pledging on Patreon, you'll have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, before we get to our feature film, (laughs) (laughs) the episode I've been waiting for, I want to read a little excerpt from this little screenplay of the movie that we're going to currently be talking about. This is an excerpt from, and it's kind of long, so bear with me, but this is an excerpt by uh, uh, Tananariv Duye. I want to say I said her name correctly. I think you got it. But it, I feel like I nailed it. I watched like a video like a lot so <laughs> of like people just saying her name. But I feel like I got it. But bear with me here. And don't forget, guys, this is Black History of Horror. So we're talking all horror films that are specific to um, just black history and uh, predominant in that world and in that film. So we're talking about mainly films that have either a black protagonist or uh, films that have uh, uh, black connotations and things like that to it. But it says here from this excerpt, black history is black horror, a genre that enables viewers to reframe true life trauma on the screen as imaginary monsters and demons is uh, tailor made for the black American experience. So why do black people love horror so much? As Get Out shows us explicitly, horror is an, is an excellent mechanism to visualize, confront, and try to overcome racial trauma. I inherited my own love for the genre from my late mother, civil rights activist Patricia Stevens Duyer. She wore dark glasses for the rest of her life after a Tallahassee, Florida police officer threw tear gas canisters in her face during a peaceful protest march in 1960. The Universal, the universal uh, Pictures horror classics she raised me on, like Dracula and The Fly, often had no black characters at all. I believe my mother's attraction to horror was driven by the same reasons Get Out was so effective as an artistic vehicle for the conveying racial trauma. Because we're, we're a minority surrounded by, quote-unquote, whiteness. Which often proves to be hostile or fearful Horror can serve as a coping mechanism by helping us visualize allegorical monsters as we as well as offering release and lessons on survival and rebellion against seemingly overwhelming forces. One really quick thing. You guys probably obviously know the film by now. But <laughs> one other quick thing before we conclude. Just as Dwayne Jones been facing off against shambling white ghouls in George Romero's Night of the Living Dead represented the culture and civil rights revelations of the 1960s, William Crane's uh, Blackula retooled the vampire trope with a yearning for African heritage and black empowerment in the 1970s. In Rusty Cunadiff's Tales of Magical uh, Retribution in Tales from the Hood gave moviegoers on-screen justice as, uh, after the LAPD beating of Rodney King in the 1990s. Get Out is fueled not just by Chris's story on the surface, 
but by uh, the deeper and much older story underneath. The film that we are talking about tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is Jordan Pills Get Out. Uh, in my opinion, one of the best movies ever made. And I was just telling Prince that right before we started. And I was like, I need to save my thoughts. But what I love about Get Out, I mean, there's so many things to love about Get Out. Jordan Peele is amazing. But one thing that I really appreciate with this film, you can look at it in so many different lenses and analyze it so differently depending on the lens that you're looking through. Yep. And even with this episode... I feel like this episode won't be long enough for me to say everything that I want to say about this. episode's this not going to do us justice. Yeah. So I'm going to have to pick and choose different lenses. But, like, man, I've watched this movie a few times. I was telling Prince maybe it's like my fourth, fifth time. Yeah. Where and, were you the first time you watched it? Were you Did you watch this in theaters? No. So okay. I'm going to be honest. When the commercials and the trailers dropped for this movie, I hate to say this, I thought it was the dumbest looking movie I've ever <laughs> ever seen i literally i mean let, let me be transparent here i was very naive in the world of film at this point sure I mean, it wasn't that long ago i've really recently delved into film yeah 2017 in the last yeah. couple years yeah um this is 2017 2017 yeah. you sure positive damn <laughs> i thought it was a long i was like thinking maybe 2015 2016 no 2017 okay so i was like man this film is capitalizing on what's going on in america and i feel like this is a cash grab and i feel like the trailers really didn't do it justice for get mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. and i remember feeling disgusted by that i saw the trailer and i was like dude this is gross like i, I from the trailer i was like it looks like a white person made this right <laughs> I was so wrong so so wrong oh um, how wrong you were <laughs> yeah no i'm i love how wrong i was too yeah and um i didn't watch it in theater and then it became a zeitgeist it, people were talking about it people were like you have to watch this movie yeah i was like oh really I it was a very popular thing because i, I worked with you at this time yes, and everyone it, at work was talking about yeah it, it was a very popular thing at work and, and me included like i i I got to actually, fortunately, see this movie twice in theaters. And nice. Jesus. I wish I saw it in theaters. That was quite the experience. I, I, was, <laughs> I was very, very wrong. As everyone listening is like, wow, what a fucking idiot. Just probably hearing me, right? I agree with you. I was a fucking idiot. Um, but I, I mean, no one had seen the movie yet, right? We're talking about trailers, commercials, and every, I think everyone knows to take trailers with a grain of salt, right? Right. Um. And I heard everyone's reaction to it. I'm like, oh, wow. I was not expecting that, right? And I think I, you asked me, where was I when I watched this movie? I was at home in bed. I rented it off iTunes. Nice. I watched it. And I was like. <laughs> then you bought it. And then I bought it. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. That movie was yes. fucking incredible. Oh I, I think I watched it again the next day. That's awesome. And I don't do that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. I'm glad it resonated with you that much. Yeah. I mean, I my thoughts definitely resonate a lot with yours too, mm-hmm. where I was I was pretty much on the same spectrum. I was on the same page as uh how this movie made me feel, especially at this time. Cause it, it was this movie came at probably one of the most perfect times. I have to agree with you. Cause like a few months prior to this movie coming out, Donald Trump was elected as president. Yeah. Um which was Sure, and this is this is not a political podcast, so we're not going to really talk about our feelings about Donald Trump. But that was a deep time in American history. Like mm-hmm. that, the uh, country was divided, and I think that's why at the time I had had the perceived notion that this was a 
cash grab for the political environment that was going on at the time. Yeah. And and probably because that was in the forefront of everyone's mind. And I mean, um, I don't have positive intent when it comes to to basically anything, right? Sure. When it comes to money being involved. Yeah. And I and I saw this and with the political environment, like I said, I was like, dude, they're just trying to capitalize on money but I again mean, that that makes sense too because from coming from a, a studios such as like blumhouse who made the purge mm-hmm. like which was not a political cash grab but that was a very one percenter political movie like yeah. that, that was like that was for the one uh, uh for the one percent like uh, the rich kind of feeding on the poor and, yeah. and so on and so forth so that makes a lot of sense like mm-hmm. the, seeing how like like oh well it's a blumhouse movie like we yeah. you know how, how are we supposed to take this <laughs> and i'll be honest um i'll say this straight up about myself i have no shame in, in saying this but i think in 2017 when it came to when it came to i guess film in general i was just very mm-hmm. ignorant sure. and like i i commercials probably said jordan peele at the time i didn't know who jordan peele was sure this was in my introduction to jordan peele i love keen peele now and all that shit right <laughs> but like um I was just too dumb to like really grasp like what this movie was based off like just what was released uh, as far as trailers and commercials and all yeah. that. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like the way I perceived the commercials or the trailers was so different from when I was watching the film for the first time. I remember thinking it didn't even correlate that those trailers were the same movie or characters yeah it felt and like I, the trailers were associated differently yeah and i feel like trailers can do that they could go in a completely opposite way to try to grab people in um but yeah when i watched it I, I i watched it with really high expectations too because i had heard so much about it yeah and it flew past beyond those expectations that's all that's awesome that's incredible because yeah. uh, I, I know a couple of people who have gotten the kind of the same type of uh way this movie was fed to you yeah the same type of feeding where it's just like oh this movie's awesome this movie's incredible and obviously when people hype things up and you have that expectation um then you now are coming into that with that high expectation and you're you're like all right this movie better blow me away or at least meet my expectation yeah. no because that definitely <laughs> high expectations typically ruins anything for me yeah and i know like uh you even had the the thing on the conjuring episode where you said that you kind of went back to your co-workers with the conjuring which is like you got to see this movie yep. this is, i've never seen this done before blah blah yep, blah, yep. blah they watch it like yeah, it was okay yeah. <laughs> like, <"What?" laughs> yeah um but yeah every every I'm I'm glad how wrong I was. Like I'm yeah. glad that I had those thoughts, right? And how smacked in the face I was. Yeah. Um, because I think Get Out after watching it, that's around the time I was like, "Yo, film." This is this is a movie that made me think. This mm-hmm. is a this is a movie that made me challenge me to articulately like process what I had just watched and not take anything at face value and really look at the layers mm-hmm. and the underlying message and the and what's in between the lines. Yeah. And I think this is one of the first movies where it really started me to look at film differently and challenged me to. That's awesome. Yeah, really like try to gather what the message the author is trying to feed to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is one of the earliest films where I really, really remember like being challenged for the first time, and I'm beyond appreciative of it. That's awesome. Because of that, yeah. No, that, that's in, that's absolutely incredible. I mean, th- this this movie has taken 
so many turns in the appropriate ways that I want it possible, especially for a movie with uh, my representation on the screen Mm -hmm. where I don't get to have this too often and when i do it it, it is kind of like tropey and and things like that so it was really cool yeah. to see a story that i've seen before but flipped on top uh, uh, like over uh, like upside down on its head yeah uh because uh, this story has been done multiple times mm-hmm. I, and i'm not gonna lie that the, 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 just not this way yeah uh but this story is jungle fever this story yeah. is guess who's coming to dinner like this is this is exactly that and uh, those are two really good movies. Jungle Fever is from the 90s, I think, with Wesley Snipes uh, by Spike Lee. And uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is a movie from the 60s, which is literally the exact same concept. Black guy dating a white woman. Yeah. A white woman wants to bring her black boyfriend to uh, meet her family at dinner. Yeah, Same kind of concept here. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful because Jordan Peele didn't know he was writing guess who's coming to dinner until someone said, Oh, it's like, guess who's coming to dinner. (laughs) And he's like, Oh, I guess it is. (laughs) But that helped him a lot more to kind of piece these things together Mm because he was able to formulate his own trope. And, um, that is really hard to do in modern horror now, just because the tropes are now created. Um, and you are starting to get more directors who are able to create their own tropes, which is, fantastic uh you you have directors like ari aster or robert eggers or osgood um perkins or even david bruckner who did the ritual things like that like these are these are people who are able to recreate a trope and turn it around to to something that we've never seen before something refreshing something Mm -hmm. different and that was the beauty behind get out the the this story resonates with me so deeply one because i i'm in an interrelationship in, in an interracial uh marriage and on top of that like that that does kind of sit with me where it's just like i i've i've felt this and yeah. like i've seen this and, I, and i've i've been there done that and so on and so forth and it's just such an interesting take and it's so awesome to see how this movie just played out for me personally. Um, because Jordan Peele says this one thing about this movie in multiple countless, countless of interviews where he he considers this movie to black audiences as, <clears throat> excuse me, as um, uh, a documentary. Yeah. I always remember him saying that. Yeah. And to white audiences or the audiences of different uh, creeds or ethnicities, he says that they view it as a horror movie Mm -hmm. and i absolutely love that yeah because that is exactly how you see it because black people were just like we've seen this yeah like we've seen this all before and it's so interesting that some of it's subtle some of it's blatant and it's it's a beautiful mesh of subtlety and blatantly um kind of minding itself and molding itself together Mm -hmm. and it's it's such a beautiful passionate story that's placed on the screen and this is probably why uh, us didn't do as well as Get Out is because he he made his shoes really big for this movie. Yeah, I oh, man, that's a whole other conversation. One hundred percent. Hope we have an, uh, an us episode. Us will be there. Okay. <laughs> um, with us, I think Peel continues to challenge you because us is present. I mean, Get Out is presented in a very linear style yeah. storytelling, yeah. while um, us is not linear. And I right. think a lot. And then. Just like I was saying earlier, you're really getting challenged within us to 
look at the the message in between the lines and look and from that point it's looking at uh social contra- contracts social constructs, constructs. of ranks in, yeah. in society but that's a whole other conversation 100 percent, 100 like that that's like it, yeah because get out is definitely but once like I said, Get Out came out at the perfect time. It did. Black movement just kind of started. Uh, Black Lives Matter and all those other stuff were, were happening. And we've had things like uh, throughout this decade, we had the Fruitvale shooting of, of uh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name and I should not be blanking on his name. But the uh, Fruitvale station shooting, um, uh, police slaying. Uh, we also had Trayvon Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so so many people have lost their lives, but it, we're also still not taking into consideration of the pers- the prison refinement system and how this is all kind of placed in there. And I'll I'll show you I'll, when we're talking about it. I'll tell you like certain symbolism that how I resonated with it. Yeah. Um. Just because I I, I would I find it fascinating the way I think about it. And um, I would love to hear your thoughts as well. But uh, without further ado, because we're like 17 minutes into this, let's jump into the plot because I'm sure we got a lot more to say. Uh, Get Out, directed by Jordan Peele, released February 24th, 2017, a budget of $4.5 million, a box office of $255.4 million, which is really good for a yeah. horror film. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, so, I mean, yeah, go on. No, no yeah, it, that, that's awesome. And 2017 was a fantastic year for horror. I just want to say that, uh, money-wise. I think we mentioned that before. Probably. On an episode, yeah. Probably, because it was, horror made so much money because we had not only Get Out that came out, we had it chapter one oh, that yep, came out as well. It. Those two, and man, th- they made they up. made a lot of money <laughs> for the horror genre. That was a beautiful year for horror. Um, and on top of that, Jordan Peele's movie won an Academy Award. Well deserved. God damn it! Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> like holy shit. Um, a runtime of one hour and forty four minutes. A score of ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The score sat at a hundred percent for months. Did it really? For months. I think I remember that. <laughs> Damn, twenty seventeen seems so long ago. I know it does. It really does. Yeah. But this movie sat at one hundred percent for so long, and I remember when it dropped down to ninety nine percent. Yeah. And it was uh, Jordan Pill like tweeted it out. It was just like it's like the person who who uh, kind of gave me a bad rating for ninety nine percent. I'm glad you didn't enjoy it. <laughs> and fuck you. Like, <laughs> um, but hey, it is what it is. We open to the empty suburban street with the man, Andre, walking in, uh, walking into the shot on uh, while talking on the phone. He is discussing his environment to a woman on the, on the other. Oh, oh, my gosh. Reading tonight. It's a thing. <laughs> he is discussing his environment to a woman on the phone and then hangs up shortly afterwards. While walking, while walking, a car is driving towards him down the street, but then turns around to start following him. Andre continues walking, mumbling the directions out loud, then looks behind him to notice the creeping car. The car pulls, uh, pulls next to him playing the song, the song Run, Rabbit, Run. Andre turns around and starts walking the opposite direction. 
Uh, smart fucking move. <laughs> yeah. uh, about to walk, and while he's about to walk across the street, he looks back to see the car door is now open. A man wearing a knight's helmet, hey, what's up, is lit, uh, <laughs> comes up behind him and puts Andre in a chokehold until he passes out. The man then drops Andre to the trunk, or excuse me, the man then drags Andre to the trunk of his car and places him carefully inside, then drives down the street. We are met with a, our title card and that fantastic blue font that doesn't seem to fit this movie, which makes it perfect. Right. I have to agree <laughs> with you on that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think that every time I watch this, that blue font doesn't fit. It does not fit. Yeah. No, it does not fit. It looks very odd. Yeah. It looks like an Easter yeah. movie. It, it looks very strange. But that's the point, I but guess. But that's the point. Yeah. Like for something to not fit in. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I think that it's just perfect. That's not the first time we see this blue font. No, it's not. So it's. Yeah. Gosh, I love it. I love it when it pops up the second time. It's even better. Yeah. <laughs> um, we cut to... I was going to say West Philadelphia. We cut, <laughs> thinking of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> we cut to some fantastic street photography um, hanged on a wall while Childish Gambino's Redbone plays in the background. And stay woke! <laughs> uh, the, no, but here, this song really comes to life after watching this film in its entirety. The line, now stay woke, hits even harder. Every time you watch it, mm. you know I never correlated the two, but I'm like, wow, how could I not? Right? Yeah. Rod stayed woke. <laughs> Chris, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we meet our protagonist, Chris, getting ready for his girlfriend Rose to come over. Uh, we see that uh, Rose is picking up pastries for both her and Chris. Um, and she holds this smile while looking at the pastries, and I put here probably because she's thinking of what's probably going to happen this weekend. Mm. Just because it. it she is my favorite character in this movie. Really? I will have to admit that, and I will explain why. I want to hear a why. A little bit later. All right. Because it is, she is fucking fascinating. She, she's, uh, she's creepy. She is. <laughs> she's good. She's real good. Uh, Rose is coming up to Chris's apartment while he's looking at images of, on his camera and out of his window. Uh, her hands are, f- <laughs> I thought that was pretty cute. Her hands are full um, it's, and she can't knock on the door so she uses her head to knock on the door instead. <laughs> she's like, punk, punk, punk. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's adorable. Uh, Chris opens the door and greets her with a kiss. Um, I've always found her attractive. Allison Williams, I th- want to say her name is. Yeah. Um, I I think it's because she re- doesn't she doesn't look like my wife. I was gonna say I see the she, correlation. She dresses like my wife a I lot. I see the correlation. <laughs> so with um her character, I remember being very unattracted to her. Sure. <laughs> but um, every time I watch the movie, I find aspects of her that are attractive, attractive and it's yeah. weird. Yeah, that's very strange. Um. Like but, I'll tell you a part later down the line that I actually found really attractive for some reason. Uh-huh. I'm just like, no, I shouldn't find this attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this once. I mean, she's she's rocking bangs and like uh, yeah. really like puffed up hair or whatever, um, frayed hair. I don't know the term. Mm. But later on in the film, Frizzle? she who knows? <laughs> Ertle, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> um, Crumped. I don't know. Like, what, what is that? Is that a thing still? Who Crump? knows? It's Crumped? coming back eventually. Is it coming back? All right. Because um, yeah, I remember that was big back in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, later on in the film, or towards the end of the film, she has it tied back. 
mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And oh, I like lost her shit. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm scared of her. Yeah. She looks she, like she's she gonna kill me. Terrifying. Like I'm not attracted to her at that point. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, right. Not in the sense of lose it. Like oh my gosh, she's hot. Like it's no, more no, no. So, like, like lose it. Like oh my god, get away from me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm scared of you. Yeah, but I digress. That's no, that's fair. That's fair. She plays in a movie called The Perfection, which is another horror film that oh. is uh, actually a fantastic take uh, on um, music. Okay. It's fucked up, first and foremost. Well, I, I'll probably horror have you... being fucked up. I know, right? <laughs> I'll probably have you check it out a little bit later, but um, it is fascinating. Yeah. And it's her and the girl that is in the show, Dear White People. Uh, I don't know if I know it. Um, she's... I forgot her name, but both of them together, like they're both first and foremost, they're very attractive. <laughs> but um, they're all they also have a relationship in the movie. Okay, and I'm just like, cool. I can see this work. <laughs> I could definitely see this work. Um, not because they're attractive. It just means like they have great chemistry together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I just like you. sure, Prince. Everybody on the other end. Uh-huh. <laughs> Chris is packing up his bag, and Rose is going uh, over a mental checklist with him. Uh, she's like checking if he has like his shoes, his, his socks, his comfy clothes, his toothbrush, and he's just like check, 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 check. But Rose knows something is up and asks Chris, "What is it?" Chris questions, "Quote: Do they know that I'm black?" End quote. Rose says that they don't, but Chris believes that this is something that should be should have been brought up to them previously. She jokes around with them about the question and then confronts him with more uh, honest, quote unquote, jokes and laughter. Because um, she kind of says the whole thing. She's like, oh, mom and dad, uh, my boyfriend is a black man. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I, think, I think right right away it, it shows the, the dynamic of um, kind of shows her innocence. It feels like, or, or I, I would say ignorance. Really, I would say militia. But <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, and I think this is also just Jordan Peele r- right away saying like these are things that a black man needs to be aware of. That needs to take an extra step to be consciously aware of because some people could react negatively. Mm-hmm. Some people, it's it's it makes it'll be indifferent to them. But you know, let's be real. Like there can be white parents that have a daughter and she may bring a black dude home yep. and parents will be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like yeah. not blatantly. Yeah. But yeah. But with her <laughs> ignorance towards it, be like, why does that matter? Like, cool. Like they're her parents. Like, but I think also she can be empathetic towards Chris Yeah, being like, yo, there's probably a reason why you think this. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that right away, Peel is trying to show you like the thing with, white people right sometimes it could be and sorry guys i'm gonna be really like blunt and honest here like yeah it is what it, it is it's okay um, he's italian <laughs> i'm not italian you're not italian no you always think i'm italian god damn that's it. white bro that's white <laughs> salvadoreño palestinian so hispanic oh okay 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 i, I don't look, know why you're thought you're i look white as freddie he's italian is he yeah he's I, italian in guatemala I thought he was caucasian oh yeah yeah he's italian in guatemala that's right yeah, anyways yeah, yeah. i was gonna say my bad. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, with that being said, it shows the ignorance that this film is trying to show the ignorance uh, or not even show the ignorance. It's kind of trying to, it challenges people differently. There's going to be people that may be white and they think like, oh shit, like this is not something that you have to worry about or black people may watch it and think, um, 
yo, like I get this because this is the shit that like white people, it doesn't even come to mind for them, right? Mm-hmm. And I think right away within a minute of the opening shot, right? Besides before the intro, um, you see that this white woman's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That shit yeah. doesn't matter. It's tw- like, I, let's say it's 2017 in the film, but Chris is like, no, nah, this is this is stuff that I need to yeah, like be this, conscious this is, of. This is definitely things that I need to know as brought up ahead of time. And this is the the different lenses I'm talking about, right? Earlier when we introduced the, the episode. You can have someone that would be like, yo, I see where he's coming from. And you'll have people that go, yo, I see where she's coming from. It doesn't yeah. matter. But I think the people that may think the latter with Rose, like... um yeah, like it doesn't matter. I think they just have never been put in a position yeah. to be where Chris is at. Right. And like right away, beginning of the film, it's not blatantly in your face. Yeah. But you have to read in between the lines. Yeah, it, it, that's the thing about this movie. It has it has subtle racism. Yeah, right? it really, really and, is. Yeah. And that, that subtle racism is uh, contextualized quite under a few layers mm-hmm. that you have to kind of dig for to see brought out. Like for me personally... Um, yeah, like it's it certain moments because I asked that when my wife was when she was my girlfriend. Yeah, I was just like, "Do your parents know that I'm black?" And, yeah, and she's like, "Yeah, they know. Like they're they don't care." But straight up, thing. like think about that right away. Like the fact that Chris is asking that, and then in your history, you've mm-hmm. asked that with your girlfriend or your wife when you guys were dating. Um, imagine for my girlfriend if she had to go up to her parents and be like, "Oh, he's Salvadorian Palestinian." Like that's not the case. It's like get get him out yeah. of here right now. Like, <laughs> any other race or ethnicity, like it's it's that doesn't really happen. Yeah, unless it's like a like your parents want you to date within your your ethnicity or right. race, which is a it's, whole other thing. It's interesting mainly because of the fact that it's a it's one of those things where black is such a, a diff such a crazy shade in the color spectrum. I mean, right? like, that's how people see it as. Exactly. It's not, but... It's I mean, not, but but at the same time, it is. Yeah. Like, it, it, if I were to stand next to my girlfriend, or, or excuse me, my wife, <laughs> if, I was next, if I was to stand next to my wife, like, um, it would be certain things that people probably think, like, are they dating? Are they together? Are yeah, they yeah, friends? Yeah. Whatever. Because, uh, one, Kathleen and I are not... We don't we don't show PDA mm-hmm. like that's something we're not really into. We don't even really like holding hands in public. We're, we just we just act normal like we're we're fine the way we are. But some people may consider that as like oh they're they're probably just friends. But yeah. there are sometimes like we will get looks, not like strange looks. Like what the fuck is he doing with her or what's she doing with him? It's more so just like like there's an interracial couple yeah. that is very blatant out in the world like for yeah. you and bella uh you guys are technically an interracial couple i mean we're both hispanic you're both hispanic yeah but, but also um, she's mexican right she's mexican i'm salvadorian yeah and then palestinian half half but yeah so yeah uh, technically mean, a different race yeah, 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 it's just like just in the same like, middle eastern hispanic right right there's a difference there so yeah kinda, yeah but it's like t- i see what you're saying technically yeah but like why don't people focus in on that as much as they focus exactly. in with you and Kathleen? Exactly. And I'm sure you guys get, I'm sure you guys This have, is going to be a long episode. <laughs> there's gonna be a lot, like I said in the beginning, guys, there's not enough time in this episode to say everything. There's so, going to be so much more. Uh, there is. That's there's, not said that I wish I said. I'll listen back to this. They're still in the house. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> or they're still in the apartment. <laughs> I'm sure there have been moments where you and Kathleen have introduced each other as, 
hey, this is my husband Prince, or this is my wife Kathleen, and then mm-hmm. you'll probably get like a little, like a little eye. You'll notice a reaction. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like there's certain there's places in the country that we oh, are yeah. very aware of that we probably will not be welcomed in. Yeah, just because we are an interracial couple, yeah. and like there's certain spots in the South that I know for a fact that like we probably are going to get some looks. We're probably going to get some kind of starings up and down or anything like that because in a way that is kind of for some people and who are i'm not saying this is just the south but i'm just saying like it's for some people in in general who think this about gay people who Mm -hmm. think this about women who believe in abortion or think this about uh people who aren't into the same religion that you're into like it's those type of people who are so close-minded that have this effect on society Mm -hmm. and um it 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 does make me feel uncomfortable. Like yeah. there, there's moments for sure. Like when I'm around a group of people who aren't technically in my, like who aren't in my same race for a long period of time, I do feel a little like a little more aware mm-hmm. of my surrounding just because I, I understand that I am the odd person out. Like I am the only person here who does not look like everybody else. Yeah. I and it. I, I know that if I were to stand in front of a, a room full of people like at work or anything like that, because I think, yeah, I'm, I'm literally the only black person on my team right now. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I stand in the front of a room with all of them and people looked at us in the front of the room, I would probably get looked at the most because I am the different shade. Mm-hmm. Like I automatically stand out. I hear that. Yeah. So it's, it's, Interesting, and that and I, that's why I go back to hearkening on the blue, because yeah, it's like out of place. it's out it of place. Out. Exactly, it really stands out. And the only thing that would make it stand out even more if it was like blue and pink, yeah. Like it's just, but it's such a wild color on all these neutral tones that mm-hmm. if you, it doesn't go, yeah, it looks awesome, but it doesn't go. And that's that's where then even when Chris is at the party, we'll get to that. Yeah, because you think about we'll all the white that. people. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, lastly, she assures Chris that her parents are not racist. <laughs> yeah, we're still there. Yeah. Uh, we are <laughs> We are now in the car with uh, both Chris and Rose. Chris reaches into his pocket to grab a cigarette, but Rose takes it out. Uh, takes it out and throws, takes it from his hand and throws it out of the window. Chris brings out his phone, or he tells her like, like, oh, like you just wasted a dollar and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, in the screenplay, that actually goes a little different. She takes it and she puts it in her mouth. Okay. Acts like she's gonna smoke it and she's like, isn't this sexy or whatever? Then she throws it out the window and he's like, oh, you just threw a dollar out the window and she takes a crumbled dollar and she throws it at him. <gasps> and that's in the screenplay. Damn. Yeah. Okay. It was. I was just like, again. That would have been a little bit more hardcore. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> audience. I'm just gonna be straight up. That's hella white, right? Crumbling <laughs> yeah. up a dollar. I thought she was gonna throw it out the window. I'd be like, that's as white as you can get. Yeah. Male's book. Oh my gosh. But it's <sighs> it's. Oh my gosh. It's again. Okay. Oh my god. Even just with that within the screenplay, it's like, oh my god, white people like are they have so much more access to being privileged to get more money that it's like a dollar is nothing to them, right? Yeah. But for some some minority groups, um. Like growing up Hispanic, I'll be straight up. Like I, I knew that every dollar mattered. One hundred percent, right? Because um, I consider like my upbringing lower class. With it was mm-hmm. just me and my mom. And be like, you don't waste a dollar, like yeah. you know, like. And I, I get, uh, yeah. Let's let's go. Yeah, on. no, let's like go. both you and I, both like you know, grew up in some lower class uh, uh, when we were children. So like we understand, we understood the value of a dollar very early. Yeah. 
And that's the, I feel like that, that was really important. And and that's what makes that scene kind of stand out a little bit more. Like you just threw a dollar away. Like I get it. I should yeah. stop smoking, but at the same time you just wasted money. Yeah. Money that I spent on right. a cigarette. Exactly. So, um, Chris brings out, uh, brings out his phone to call his friend Rod, uh, Rod, Rod picks up the phone. Jesus Christ, he's funny as fuck. Dude, I love he, him. He's so great. I love that guy so much. <laughs> he's like, what's she doing? Licking your balls or something? <laughs> <laughs> I love how Chris reacts to everything. He's he like, says. okay, okay, bye, Rod. I'll do yeah. it. <laughs> uh, after all the uh, great shit that he's talking about with uh, talking about with Chris, he tells him that uh, he never uh, takes his advice. And uh, he's, uh, quote, uh, like going to uh, this white girl's house. Uh, and then he's that's when he says, like, what, uh, what else is she doing? Licking your balls or something. Yeah. Chris hangs up the phone on rod uh rod notices that uh he was slightly jealous about a uh, rose knows, notices that he was slightly jealous about the conversation with rod uh they get into a slight tickle match but a deer jumps out into the road and uh, rose hits it they are stopped on the side of the road trying to catch their breath they get out of the car and they hear the cries of the deer chris goes to check out the deer he walks over to the dying animal and looks it in the eyes this scene it's beautiful. To There's me. a lot of symbolism here. A ton. Yeah. What do you think's going on for for the symbolism for you? So act- there's there's a lot. Yeah. But yeah. So I actually did a project on Jordan Peele as an auteur, and I focused on this scene. I forgot, mm-hmm. I forgot exactly what I pinpoint with the symbolism, but I believe it was more so Chris's being symbolized by the deer, mm-hmm. a gentle creature that is, and this is kind of a foreshadowing mm-hmm. of what's to come, mm-hmm. because later on in the film, you actually do see a deer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and what it represents. Used. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So the symbolism here is with the deer, it's a gentle creature that is being foreshadowed of an omen to come. Mm. And that omen is in, is in representation of what's going to happen to Chris. Because mm. it's Chris is hypnotized by this deer that is dying in front of him. And he feels helpless. Yeah. And we come to learn that he has moments in his life where he has felt helpless. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, I feel like he sees himself within this deer. Right, 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 right. But ultimately, it's the omen to come. It's the foreshadowing. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, that's actually a really good way to look at it. I, I, I love that. Um, I picture it as, and we later learn about Chris's mom. Yeah, I picture it as him seeing that as his mom. Oh yeah, because she was a victim of a hit and run. Exactly, yeah. victim of a hit and run. She was left on the road to die. Yeah, and uh, just like this deer, left on the road to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so hypnotized by that, because right? He's thinking of his mom. Exactly, and on top of that, like where it's constantly going back and forth to where Mr. Armitage or Dean, uh, when they come closer to the house, which we'll get to, but I don't actually have this written down. Um, but when Dean is telling like, Oh, you hit, you hit a deer, like, yeah, yeah. the less of them, the better, blah, 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 which made me think about like how it is for black people. Yeah, dude. Like when I hear that, Every time I'm just like, yeah, like it's a nuisance and blah, blah. blah. It's just like, because if you think about it, 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 this is the this is what makes me think of this this way because if you think about it, deers don't do shit. Exactly, they're not rats. Yeah, they're not. They're forest creatures, right? They're, they're forest creatures. They're, they're, they're not they're even living. A, like, exactly, they're not taking food from your trash can. They're not raccoons. They're not skunks. You don't even see them. They're, no, like you barely. Well, they might see them more. They they live. Yeah, in the forest. I mean, but, but like, let's be real. But, like, yeah. how often do you see them? Exactly, and it's just one of those things where it's just like, 
like they're not doing anything to you and that's what kind of makes it seem like like black people yeah like like where it's just like why do you hate them so much they're not even doing anything and i think that's people's point of that message i i mean i'm sure everyone that's listening has probably seen the film because it's yeah. get out right but yeah. like uh mr armitage goes on about like oh, one down a thousand more to go exactly Good and yeah. it's like she's like what the it's, fuck is your problem it's clearly that subtle racism yeah that is trying to connect that sense of uncomfort and i'm sure chris hears it and is like right. what the fuck are you saying yeah like, exactly that's why you're just like like what does that deer do to you? Like, like, what do deers do to you? They don't steal your food. Yeah. They don't. They're not a nuisance. They're not. It's not like they're fucking grazing in your yard all yeah. the time. Like, it's just because if they were around, we would probably see them more in the film. Yep. Which we only see a deer twice. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, we cut to Rose. Oh, fun fact by the way. Uh, the the cries of the deer. That was Jordan Peele. Oh, surprise! <laughs> uh, we cut to Rose talking to a cop, and Chris is in deep thought. The cop asks to see Chris's ID. Rose makes a fuss about Chris having to give the officer his ID. She's arguing back and forth with the officer over this, and um, well, admit it's kind of hot. Um, he is then called onto the walkie and leaves them both while he walks to his cruiser. Now, I put here. This is why I like Rose so fucking much mm-hmm. because jordan peele wrote her to be very skillful okay and very meticulous okay this scene is really important mainly because rose does seem like she is standing up for chris and yeah. granted she is mm-hmm. she is standing up for chris however rose is also very smart because she knows what's going to happen to chris she did not want that cop to see chris's identity Oh, <laughs> dude, that never. She didn't want him to know his name. I never put two and two together. <laughs> so, Damn. since she doesn't want him to know his name, the best thing for her to do is not allow Chris to give him his, his ID. Chris ultimately gave his ID, though, right? He didn't. He didn't. She took his ID. Oh, that's he right. He patted it out. She took it out of, of Chris's hand, and she said, no, I'm not going to give you his ID. That's right. So, <laughs> so this is why I love this character because she's so fucking smart. She is smart. Yeah, she is so smart and she's so meticulous and she was written perfectly. Yeah, because obviously we hate her. Yeah, we do. <laughs> like, like that, I mean, that's it how, was very satisfying. That's how you know you end. have a good character, right? <laughs> exactly. Because if you hate them, it's truly real. It's well. truly real. Exactly. Um, they are back in the car, continuing their drive to Rose's parents' house. Chris is looking at Rose and tells her uh, what she did was hot. Um, they pull up to the house and we see, uh, the groundskeeper, Walter, waving. Walter's a weird motherfucker, huh? Uh, they yeah. grab their stuff out of the car and start heading towards the door. Rose's parents, Dean and Missy, come out to greet them and welcome them inside. Walter's outside looking at them. And we transition to, uh, them now inside of the Armitage's house, asking them how the drive was and so on and so forth. Dean goes off on how deers are pretty much an abomination. After all, um, he, um, after all of that, he asks how long Rose and Chris have been dating, but he says it like, so, uh, how long has this thing yeah. been going on? I'm just like, cringe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Chris says four months, but Rose is corrects him and says five months. Yeah. And she's, you're right. Five, she's always right. Five months, and she's always right. And yep. Dean's like, get used to that. She's well, always right. You know what I actually, this catches me every time. I don't like how he says it. He says um, something along the lines of like, you better get used to that boy. And the whole boy thing being thrown in Did there. Did you say boy? Yeah. 
Really? I'm pretty sure. Oh man, I didn't catch it. I didn't catch the boy. Yeah. I was watching this with subtitles. I didn't catch the boy. I watched it with subtitles this time too. I don't think I ever did. Yeah. And I Interesting. It. Boys in there somewhere. Yeah. I was like, ooh, and I'm like, that's deliberate though. I know people put that in there deliberately. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, boy was a connotation that was used for slaves. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was boy and it was the N word. And it's tough now because it is used casually. Yeah. Sometimes it cannot have. Like a lot of parents say it to their kids. Yeah, sometimes like it can't. It won't have uh, a negative a racist to it. weight no, behind yeah. it. But but when this white man is talking to Chris, a black man, and it's just <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch that. Oh yeah. man, uh, well that makes him a dick even more. But then again, like it's deliberate. But I think at the same time, it wasn't deliberately racist. Sure. It it, it just it, it makes you yeah. most, most things aren't. <laughs> yeah. It's tough, right? It's yeah. tough because like but when you watch this movie knowing what happened, you're like, these people are fucking racist. But when right. you're first introduced to this movie, you're like, they seem cool, like, but, right? yeah. like you don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 smart always writing. it's always the the hidden connotations. Right? Exactly. And yeah. that's that's why like for Jordan Pillow he always said like black people they know this movie as soon as it starts. Yeah, I and would imagine so. And it was like things like that. It was just like, it made me think like, man, motherfucker, don't like what? Like, <laughs> like yeah. come on, man, damn. Um, but it was a lot more N-words than that. <laughs> uh, he agrees with her and Dean jokingly says uh, that he better get used to that. Dean uh, wants to give Chris a tour of the house. And uh, Rose is kind of like, oh, let's put our bags uh, away first and stuff like that. And Dean insists he's just like you want to put your bags away before i give the tour of the house mm. and that was kind of it, it to me it kind of like showed a sense of power yeah in that point in time where it's just like do not step me yeah like yeah. i like i still i still own this family right now yeah do not step me i got that sense too yeah like it was it, it felt yeah it felt like that um he starts by showing off Missy's office. A couple of family pictures with Rose's brother, Jeremy, uh, shows off some candle holders that he got from Bali. Okay. <laughs> uh, Chris passes Rose on the, f- uh, on the phone while laying on the couch. He gives her a jokingly look of saying, please kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Dean continues walking Chris to other parts of the home uh, while he is telling him how much of an honor it is to experience someone else's culture. He stops to show a picture of his dad who was a runner, but he was beaten by Jesse Owens for the qualifying round of the Berlin Olympics in 1936. Uh, by the way, Jesse Owens is a real person. Yep. He's a real person, and that really did happen. Yep, he really did. won in the Olympics in Germany yep. in front of Hitler. Yep. That happened. That was a true story. Dean is proudly talking about how uh, awesome Owens winning was. This goes back to more not subtle ra- uh, racism, but this is uh, this is what I, something I like to call casual acceptism. Mm. <laughs> and uh, th- what that initially means is that uh, when people try to find a, a kind of a grounding thing that you can have a common demo- uh, denominator on, yeah, where it's typically a black figure, yeah, where like you'll like name drop like, oh, like Martin Luther King, that speech was awesome. Yeah, and it's just like. Yeah, it was cool. It's like, it, like, interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting term for it because I always took it as just being racist. Yeah, no, no, no. Because it, it's not. It's not really racist. That's the thing. Like, yeah, because the intent is not. Yeah, to the, harbor negativity, but right. it's just more. It's not so, to bring it's, you down. It's ignorance. It is. It's, yeah, it, it is ignorance. But but it's not to bring you down. It's it's more so to to seem like you are woke. 
in a way. Yeah, it, it's to find that middle ground to be like, I get it. Yeah. Let me tell you that I get it. That right, I'm exactly. one of you. Right. Like, and I understand the movement. Yeah. Like, like. To me, I'm like, that's fucking racist. But yeah. I guess, I guess, I mean, that term, is that a term that is widely known or is that something that you... Casual acceptism? Yeah. No, I made it up. I okay, made I was going to say, did yeah. you make it up? Because I was like, that's actually a really good term. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 just how I've always considered yeah. it. I've called it that for, for years. Ever you, since college. Yeah. Because, I mean, straight up, you tell some people, like, I mean, all right. So, Dean goes on saying, like, if I could, I would vote obama in for a third term <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah. i'm sure a lot of us would but the way he was saying it to chris again yeah. i'm down with the movement right yeah. and as, and even rose like says it in the beginning like yeah. if my dad could he would vote yeah. for obama and I'm like, time. to me the the feel of needing to bring that up so randomly to me that's racist but right. I like like you weren't talking about politics yeah. or anything like that yeah, like oh because he just kind of popped up yeah so your term i think works very well for that casual yeah. acceptance casual, casual acceptism Casual acceptism. Okay. Yeah. Except, except, acceptism is not a real word. Okay. Yeah, it's just something I just made up. Yeah, like casual acceptism. <laughs> but like, yeah, because whenever I see statements like that being thrown, I'm like, this person is ignorantly racist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's undertones. Yeah. That's all. Uh, Chris brings up that it is tough. Is, uh, it was a tough break for his dad, however. Dean says, the uh, I put here, Dean says the uh, one of the most interesting uh, lines uh, to end his dialogue with, uh, yeah, he almost got over it too. Yeah, love it. Uh, they continued by a door to the basement that Dean says is covered up because they have black mold down there. And mm-hmm. I put here yet another interesting saying by Dean. You know, I didn't catch that till this time watching it. The black mold that he says black mold. Yeah, like, why would you say black mold? Why don't you just say mold? Or why don't you just say they're like. No one goes down there. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. It's not like even if you say this is the basement, it's not gonna be like Chris is be like, cool, can we see it? Yeah. Like he doesn't give a fuck. It's a basement. Yeah. Like why would he even want to go down there to begin with? Yeah. Like But I think with that it's just for it's, it's for the it's audience. For the audience. Oh, yeah. I want to understand. It's because for the like, audience. Oh, but Lord. it's for the it's for the audience the second, third time watching it yeah, around, exactly. or the second, fourth, fifth, sixth time watching around. Because that's the beauty behind this movie. You can choose any character to watch this movie under. Mm-hmm. The first time we watch it, we watch it under Chris. I watch it under Rose. Yeah. And I, I I watch it from her lens pretty much. Anytime she's on the screen, like I am so enthralled by her of how she kind of treats the scenes. Yeah. Uh, they are making their way into the kitchen, a place where Dean's mother loved to spend her time and that they keep a little piece of her here. Yet another interesting line from Dean. They are uh, met with Georgina standing by the counter looking at them. Dean introduces Chris to Georgina. Chris seems to be taken back by the quote-unquote help for the house being black. He takes Chris outside in the backyard and lets him know that uh, the nearest house is across the lake and that they have total privacy. And it's just a beautiful thing where it's just like, yeah, he's officially alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has no one. Yep. Uh, while walking in the yard, Chris looks at Walter. Dean tells him that he, uh, he uh, knows what it looks like. White family with black servants. Uh, Dean lets him know that, that they have hired Georgina and Walter to look after his parents, and he couldn't bear to let them go when his parents died. He ends up telling Chris that, quote, he would have voted for Obama a, a third time if he could have. I put here harkening back on Gross's joke uh, from earlier that day. Uh, but uh, also, I love like Chris's reaction to it. He was like, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, shit, me too. Uh, we cut to the Armitage, the Armitages. Uh, and Chris sitting at the table outside. Dean is asking Chris what his parents do for a living. 
Uh, he lets them know that his dad was never really, in, never really around. Where once again, that's a, a trope that a lot of unfortunate black kids do experience. Yeah, um, my dad wasn't around, and you experienced it as well. Like mm-hmm. with your pops not really being around too. Like, yeah, uh, my best friend growing up was black. His dad wasn't around either. Yeah, so. uh, Josh, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, all that all that stuff is just like really, it, it that stuff hits hard for uh, I'm sure a lot of us and. For some people that don't understand how not having a father figure or having quote unquote a real mo- role a male role model in your life, um, it's it's hard. Yeah, it, it is. It's hard, and and it it cuts us in ways that we don't see because we're we're so used to it. Yeah. But there's like little things that will happen and be like like shit. Like you know, I I would know what to do. We're crafted differently because of it. Right. I'll say that. Yeah, 100%. And I think a lot of people that are A, not black, or B, grew up with... Just one parent? Or I was going to say not black or grew up with both parents. Probably didn't yeah. catch that. Right. The 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 weight behind the statement. Yeah. Because Chris lost both his parents. Yeah. He lost both of his parents, but at the same time, he's more like able to shrug it off for his dad yeah um and that's just how we yeah. are yeah like we're, we're we we're able to do that we're able to just shrug it completely off like for me personally i didn't have both my parents my, both my parents weren't in the picture i was in the uh, foster care system yeah so like uh, for me it was just like i get all of what chris is kind of going through yeah. um my mom my biological mom is still alive mm-hmm. but she suffers from schizophrenia so it, I, we have nothing in common like yeah. I, I can't talk to her yeah um but yeah, he lets them know that his dad uh, was never really around and his mom died from a hit and run. Um, and I put here, uh, this is fantastic because it lets, uh, it lets us, it, oh, excuse me. This is fantastic because it is like they are making sure Rose did her job properly by finding uh, the proper person. Someone that doesn't have family. Exactly. Yeah. So, cause this is, this initially, this wasn't to test Chris. This was to test Rose. Yeah, and also get a, like acknowledgement, exactly. Or like being assured that like like Rose did it again. Cool, yeah. she she knocked it out of the park. Exactly, good job, daughter, kind of thing. And then yeah. that because like if you see Rose's face during this process, she's sad but with a, a slight smirk. Oh, I didn't notice. I know because I watched it from Rose's perspective this time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you see like a slight smirk during this point in time where she's. Um, like, like, oh man, I, I made my parents proud. Yeah. Like, like, oh, I did it. I did it. I found, I found a good subject. Uh, Chris, uh, lets them know th- that he was young when she died and that he doesn't really remember a lot from that time. Missy clanks her spoon on the glass of tea and Chris has a fantastic facial reaction to mm-hmm. this. He kind of looks down at it and just like, huh. But that was the beginning of his conditioning. Yeah. I love it. Uh, the conditioning has begun, and I put here. I put what I said just now. Uh, Dean asks uh, Chris if um, if he smokes because he begins to tap his hand on the table. Getting jittery. Starts. She starts getting jittery. Starts jonesing, as uh, <laughs> Dean says. Uh, he lets him know that uh, he is in the process of quitting. Dean uh, lets him know that it is a nasty habit and that he should let Missy perform hypnosis on him to quit. Rose stops him slightly by telling them that some people don't want people poking around in their heads. Uh, Dean continues by telling Chris that he was hypnotized once and uh, now he 
uh, can't even see the sight of a cigarette without feeling disgusted. And during this explanation of Missy's methods, Chris is looking at her and she gives a slight smile towards him. But as soon as he looks away, she drops the smile immediately. Yeah. Dude, she, the mom creeps me out. She's fantastic. Her, I don't like how perfect she is for that role. Yeah, she's definitely perfect for the role. Jesus Christ. But <laughs> I don't like how, what is the word I'm looking for? She looks so calm. So yeah. calm that it's bothering. Yeah, because she's like, I, I've done this many of times. Yeah. It's just, it's weird. It's, it's like I hypnotized a motherfucker last it, night. <laughs> <laughs> it plays on my nerves, though. Like the way she, like, just, she looks into your, she looks into you. That's the best way to put it, right? Yeah. And it's, like she doesn't, she's she analyzing. doesn't look at you. Yeah. Yeah, she looks in you. And That's a good way to put it. She she has this drowsy like demeanor. Yeah, and, like, like she's talking very slow. Yeah, very poetic. And her in a way. eyes look heavy. Yeah, like she like, always looks tired. Yeah, Ugh, it just creeps me out. Yeah, she's intoxicating in a bad way though. Right, for me at least. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Like she's intoxicating to look at. Like when you look at her, you automatically, as a sense, even in the audience, you get kind of tired. Yeah, and and. It's done very well. It is. Especially with her methods of hypnosis. Uh, Standout roles by everyone in this film, honestly. Oh, 100%. Everybody was chosen perfectly for this fucking movie. I will admit. Uh, Missy tells him to stop. Chris tells them that it is uh, that he is all that he is good. And Dean uh, tells them that they are happy that they are happy that they are here for the quote unquote get together. Mm hmm. The Armitage explained that Rose's grandfather would throw this party every year, and they continued the tradition after his passing. During this, Georgina is coming around to fill everyone's glasses with tea. Georgina starts to pour tea into Chris's glass and, and starts to stare out into the distance until she gets a quick jolt and apologizes for her appearance. Missy tells Georgina to go lie down and get some rest, but very sternly. Yeah. Like, not nice. Not nice at all. She's like, Georgina, go lie down. Yeah. You should get some rest. Yeah. Yes, Miss Armistice. That's a great idea. <laughs> Which is, when when you know the whole story, it's interesting to look at this. This These parts kind of confuse me, and, and I think it's also a part of it is that it's just to create wonder for the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's her mom. It's not. That, it's inhabiting. It's her, it's her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Her mother-in-law that's inhabiting. Mm-hmm. Um, her, but I take it as two ways. It's either she's still getting used to controlling the body or B. I remember that I always said there's always a little piece. Yeah. I know there's always a little piece, but you see other characters that can control it a lot better. Some, yeah. Like Walter. Yeah, exactly. But Walter is further away from the family. So like he, he's not as up and close. He's not in the house because Walter never comes in the house. Oh, okay. So he is further away from the family. Um, but what I see it as is that um, for Georgina to mm-hmm. be able to kind of hold this facade and this charade yeah. uh, is a little harder because Chris is there. That's what I was going to bring up next. I was going to say it seems like when they interact with Chris and when Chris is expressing blackness, lack mm-hmm. for a better term, yeah. right? Um you see the small parts of them coming up, right? And and th- and to put it another another way as well. Sorry to cut you off, but to put it another way as well, Georgina was probably the last one before Chris. 
See, and that's why I brought up the the idea of like maybe, maybe she's still she getting used it. to it. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. It's no, just that's, too that's fresh fair. still. And Georgina, a real Georgina, is still fighting or whatever her actual name yeah, is, we right? Don't know. We yeah, know. Um, she's probably still fighting and also seeing Chris. It's it's. I mean, it it brought something there because like she she sees Chris because this is the first time that, because it took her five months to condition Chris to finally meet her parents. Yeah. Right. And for her, for her, that that's five months of Georgina to be in that house. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, with her grandparents just dying so soon, because mm-hmm. that, that, you have to think that you have to still be alive. Yeah. Yeah. That you probably just can't transfer the brain after it's dead. Yeah. Um, and her grandparents dying, but also during this time, she's not the only one hunting. Mm-hmm. We also have Jeremy hunting as well. Yeah, where he brings his own set, but that they don't have to deal with Georgina and being in the house guests and things like that. So yeah. she did. This is her first time seeing another black person since Walter. Yeah, and I think I think that's a big part in of five it. months. Yeah, and I think also what there's environmental storytelling that um, further reinforces the idea that Georgina was the most recent. You're right. Um, person to be taken yeah um because you see a lot of moments where georgina is looking in the mirror getting used to her new appearance playing with their hair Mm -hmm. and you would think someone's been inhabiting this body for a long time they would have gotten used to it by now but i think with that environmental storytelling she's still infatuated by her yeah it's still fresh yeah she's like like i like damn i look good yeah (laughs) she's like oh that's me now yeah so yeah yeah. looks in the mirror smiling she likes her she likes her new skin yeah (laughs) uh missy tells georgina to go lie down and get some rest dean is starting is staring at georgina as he as if he is suspicious about something going on with her. Georgina leaves and Jeremy steps in to greet his family. He comes in like a, and I put it, he comes in as like a complete asshole. Uh, we cut to them all at dinner laughing at the dinner table. Jeremy is telling stories about Rose in her toenail con- collection. Yeah. Rose throws her napkin at him and jokingly tells him that she hates him. Jeremy continues to uh, continues with more story about Rose. He begins the, uh, the story about Rose having a crush on a guy named Connor Garfield. Um, Rose doesn't doesn't want him to tell the story, but Chris wants to hear the story anyway. Uh, after Jeremy is done with the story, Missy says that she is going to get dessert for everyone. Uh, when Missy opens the kitchen door, Georgina is standing in the middle of the fucking kitchen, Creepy. holding the cake, yeah. looking directly at Chris. Yeah, it's like she knew he was sitting right in that spot. Mm-hmm. She was perfectly leveled with him. It's creepy. God damn it's so perfect. And I think also so that's perfect. for the audience too. One hundred percent. That was, to that was oh, of course. Yeah. That, that was the reminder, like, hey, this is still a horror movie. Yeah. Like like this is not just for black folks. Like, and it wants this to, is still a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, and it wants to raise questions like, why is this happening? What's right. up with that exactly. person? And yeah. so on. Yeah. Uh Chris notices this and is definitely wondering about Georgina at this point. Chris is snapped out of his stupor by Dean asking him uh what kind of sports. Uh, is he into? He tells him that he is mainly into basketball. Jeremy immediately asks if he's into MMA. Dean tells Jeremy to uh, to let somebody else have the floor for a second. Jeremy tells his dad that he wants to get to know Chris for himself, that you had all this time to get to know him, uh, so it's my turn. Chris interrupts their intense stare contest by asking if he is uh, talking about UFC. Jeremy says yes, but Chris says that it is too brutal for him, so he doesn't watch it. He asks if Chris has ever been in any street fights as a kid. Hmm. 
insinuating that you grew up in the ghetto, in the ghetto because you're black exactly. you and to... you got in fights and yeah. all kinds of insinuations. Exactly. Chris and tells him that he uh, did judo after school. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you can see the look in, on Chris's face after he asks. I was like, what the fuck do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you want to try it? Like, like <laughs> <laughs> But he's like, like you just thinking because I'm black. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. would have gone into street fights when I was a kid because of probably where you're assuming I grew up. Right. Uh, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy, excuse me, uh, continues uh, telling Chris with his fr- uh, frame genetic makeup, and if he really pushed his body, he could be a beast. All of that's just bad. I feel like we don't even need to break it down for people. No. It's very no, you can clear, get it. cut and dry. You can get it. Uh, Missy comes back to into the room with carrot cake, and she asks uh, what they are talking about. Now, but here, this scene is perfect because there's so much tension, and you can sense the dread in the air. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Jeremy tells his mom that they are talking about sports and continues his conversation with Chris. He goes on about jujitsu, not knowing about, uh, excuse me, not being about strength, but being about the mind, just like chess. Chris just says, cool. Yeah. It's like, cool. I just want to move on from this because it's getting weird. Yep. After he is officially done, Jeremy, uh, and Jeremy seems to not like that at all. He's just like, oh, motherfucker. So he tells, he tells Chris to stand up. He wants to give him a demonstration. (laughs) Missy tells him, uh, quote, no karate at the dinner table. Jeremy tells him, it's not karate, ma. <laughs> Even that is fucking racist in itself. Oh, yeah, the karate? You know? yeah. yeah. Like, straight up. Yeah, then there it's is, like calling an Asian there person is Chinese. One, there right? is one Asian person in this movie. Yeah. It's, but honestly, okay, we'll get about yeah, we'll, that. We'll get to the party. Later, yeah. We'll get to the party soon. Um, uh, da, 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 da. But he pats uh, Dean's back while passing him by. Dean has this look on his face as if he is defeated and his son is going to fuck all of this up. Because mm. they don't want to hurt him. Yeah. They don't want to damage They don't want to damage. Yeah. They don't want to damage the property. The movie, yeah. uh, Chris grabs Jeremy's arm and tells him that he has one rule and that's not to play fight with uh, play fight with drunk people. Missy calls out to Jeremy once more, but not loudly, more sternly. She's just like, Jeremy. Yeah. Oh, and then, like, just like that. He stops. And I'm like, this kid's been hypnotized, right? That's the whole thing that it's trying to portray there. You think? So I, I, I go back I just and find it on once, 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 once again, back to, like, how Dean asserted his authority on yeah. top of Rose. I think of it as that same way, like, don't fucking step me. So I've thought that too. Okay. I've gone back and forth on this in this particular scene. Is it that he's listening to his mom and they have like a family business and it's like, okay, it's my mom. I'm getting in trouble. Or is it that this family is so fucked up that they're basically selling bodies and souls that it's like, why don't I just hypnotize my kid if I ever need to put him in check? Especially this one that's like a little rambunctious. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I could definitely see see how that could pop up. The thing that makes me think otherwise is that he knows what he's doing, and at the end he just kind of says, I wasn't going to hurt him. Yeah. Because I think he's actually gotten abused for hurting one of them before. Oh, you think Cause so? Because I think he tortured some of them. Oh. Because he's sick as fuck. Like he wants, yeah, 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 like you, you could tell he gets enjoyment of being the muscle in the family. He gets enjoyment for having power over the what he put as like the I don't even want to say like how what he said. He 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 sees I mean this this all these white people in this film see black people as physically superior. And I think this sure. guy yep, they do. 
gets joy in having power over them exactly. physically. Exactly. And which is why I feel like he's tortured some of them. Yeah. Which he, he has fucked it up before, which yeah. is why I feel like Dean was, just had that look on his face like, you're going to fuck this up again. Yeah. Like, we've had to, because I'm sure they've, like, I'm sure this hasn't worked before, and they've had to actually physically kill them. Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. So it's just, it's no way that this worked 100% of the time, all the time. Yeah. Like, this was a trial period and things like that. And I'm sure Dean has, or uh, I'm sure Jeremy has fucked with one of them. And I'm yeah. sure it goes back to the whole thing as a, being a slave slave owner, mm-hmm. right? Like, where you're just like, oh, I have power over you. I have authority over you. Um, but you kind of go up the chain and it goes higher and higher and higher and higher yeah. to where you go to the actual plantation owner. Where yeah. it's just like, no, I own the whole fucking lot. Yeah. And it's just that's that's what I got the sense. Because to them, it's a business. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I got the sense as. Where it's just like we're providing a service. Yeah. To these other people, we aren't doing this for just us, but we are doing this as a business. Yeah. And um, that's it, it's interesting. It's just it's it's super fascinating. Uh, we cut to Chris and Rose in the bedroom. Rose is going on about how weird her parents are acting, and Chris is pretty much responding with, "Uh huh." <laughs> it's like I was expecting this shit. Yep. Rose ask uh ask him if there is any more uh, that he would like to add to his subtle responses. Chris looks over at her and says, um, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> uh Rose apologizes for her family the the way that they are acting and for her br- uh bringing him there and putting uh, for for her bringing him there and putting him in that situation. Chris says some and I put here Chris says some sexy shit <laughs> <laughs> to her about not having to apologize and her her racial flow and then they start kissing. While kissing Rose remembers the party and Chris reassures her that it is all good. He's like, we got this. It's all good. Yeah. Still in the bed with Chris and Rose, uh, but Chris is still awake while she is sleeping. Chris is thinking about uh, the deer that they hit earlier, but here's a fly and smacks his face. Fucking love the subtlety in that. That is perfect because there technically is no fly. It's all in his head. Yeah. I never it, thought oh, about that. Oh, God. It's so good. I actually missed that. It's so good. And. I think that's when you know, like, okay, he got preconditioned when she clinked on the thing because now he's in his head. Mm. So it's oh, fucking good. Frustrated, he gets up and turns to uh, turns uh, turns his head. Of, uh, oh, excuse me. He gets up and he turns the head of like the stuffed tiger that's on her by her bedside. Stuffed bear that's like watching her. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a camera in there. Yeah, that he probably feels like there is yeah, too. Yeah, like, I feel like there's a camera there. Uh, he notices a, clo- a closet door open and has a peculiar look on his face to in, of intriguement of in, what's inside. He then notices his cigarettes in his bag. Chris heads downstairs to go, out, uh, go outside and smoke a cigarette. And I put here, we get the super, the super fucking awesome jump scare by Georgina just walking across the room. Yeah. God damn, how good was that? That was so good. Uh, while Chris is outside about about to pull out the cigarette, Walter is running in, uh, running in the field towards him. Chris is super nervous. He is about to get attacked, but right before they are going to collide, Walter sharp turns in the other direction. I thought this was better than the Georgina scare. Really? Because how confusing it was. Yeah, but... Uh, Oh, oh! You mean the fur when she walked by? Yeah, versus oh, her gotta, gotta, walking gotta, 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 gotta. in the uh, behind. I, th- him. I thought you meant like her, like being in the mirror, cause, or being in the window. Oh no, no, no! Because no. to me, that resonated far more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's all consecutively placed perfectly. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a build up. It's like this, that, and then this. That's true. That's um, true. But and it's quick. 
It's yeah. one after another. It's yeah. just like, okay. And then it's like, okay, yeah. he walks outside because he doesn't notice it, right? And then Walter's going up. He's like, oh, shit. Like, the fuck? With, the Walter, crazy. with Walter running, though, I feel like it's only... I feel like it's only good the first watch around. Yeah. Because... Because when you watch it the first it's time, you're like, for a scare. yeah, it's like, why? why? And yeah. you want to know, like, you're like, I want to find out this mystery. Yeah. And like, later on, he's he like, I was exercising. Right. Yeah. But like, sorry, it's scary with my exercise. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the way Walter speaks. But it's like, that's the point, right? Yeah. But it's like, the first time you watch, you're like, what the fuck? What the fuck? It's just, uh, and yeah. imagine seeing, I mean, I didn't see it in the theater. You did. But like, I seeing did, it in yeah, theater yeah. coming at you, like. Fast, oh, it was nuts. Dude. It was and it looks nuts. like he's coming to the attack. Yeah, it was it's fucking incredible. Uh, the light in the kitchen has turned on, and Chris notices Georgina standing there. Um, and she got this crazy ass look on her face. Kind of looks like she's kind of cross eyed. Yeah. And, and it's just, she, it looks off. It does. It definitely looks off. Um, and I, that's why I said th- this one resonates to me more because that one definitely gets me every time mm-hmm. to where I'm just like, that just looks so good. It looks so creepy. It does. And it's it works perfectly because when, yeah, when you turn on the light by a window, you typically can't see outside that well. You can still see, but you yeah. can't see out that well. Yeah. Um, but she is actually looking at her reflection in the glass and instead of looking directly at Chris. Uh, she's admiring herself while, um, while doing this. Uh, she seems uh, uh, very unsettled. Um, and oh god, that's just a good fucking scene. We it. yeah, we talked about her. Yeah, we talked about her very extensively. Trying to get used to her appearance, or just admiring her appearance, her new appearance, right? And it's super unsettling. It's very very odd. I think what's a good point is that she keeps touching her hair. Yes, yeah, it's like keeps keeps touching her hair, pulling her hair. Different. Yeah. Um, and it's very different, but at the same time, it is a wig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, but yeah. it, she has to get used to that too, right? right? right like that's right. that's the thing. Yeah, gotta get, gotta, gotta get, can't get used to the naps. Yeah, and I think that's why they had the wig. Yeah, is I because so she was just like, I don't know how to do this hair. Oh, not only that, but honestly, they probably don't like how it looks. Well, I don't know because they're th- that's the that's the thing about being black when you ha- like you have such different hair, and that's actually something that happens a lot with us where people always want to touch our hair. Yeah. Well, what I was saying was like the the white woman inhabiting her body oh, oh, doesn't like sure, it. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's possible. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, when Georgina turns off the light and walks out of the kitchen, by the way, don't touch our hair. <laughs> like yeah. that's that's so weird. Like it's just like, oh wow, you have waves. Oh, it's like don't. First of all, you're going against the grain. Like like, <laughs> <laughs> like watch out. Uh, when Georgina turns off the light and walks out of the kitchen, Chris says, uh, "Fuck the cigarette." And heads back inside the house. He didn't get to light it. He's yeah. just like, "Fuck." I this. mean, like after that, I wouldn't have even yeah, wanted to real. smoke. I was like, "Fuck." Dude, I'm cured. Still, after fucking all that? cured. I'm good. Well, uh, he is trying to sneak back in into the house, Rose's, uh, and back into the house to get, go back to Rose's room. Missy surprises him in the office by asking him, "Do you know how dangerous smoking is?" Chris positively responds, and Missy insists him to sit where uh, with her. And she does it very nicely, like "Sit with me, come on, Chris, yeah. sit with me." Um, but at the same time, it's the middle of the night. It's fucking, and she was yeah, just sitting in the dark. Yeah, it's just like weird. And granted, he probably was thinking like, oh, she was checking on me. She heard me come outside and all yeah, this other stuff yeah, and blah, probably. blah, blah. Um, and she probably just wanted to, wants to talk to me about yeah. smoking the cigarette. Um, uh, she grabs a cup of tea. Missy studies Chris and asks him uh, 
if he would like to know how it works. Because she's just like, oh, you're wondering how it works. Yeah. Uh, she begins stirring the tea, but explains sort of how hypnosis works. Missy begins to ask Chris basic questions. Uh, do you smoke in front of my daughter? Chris responds with, uh, with him telling her that he is going to quit. Missy makes, uh, makes it seem like it is about her daughter and she is looking, she is looking out for her, but she begins asking Chris about his mother. Chris suspects that he has fallen to, uh, fallen prey to her hypnosis, but is too, but it is too little too late. Missy keeps going without responding to his question. Like, did you hypnotize me? Yeah. Uh, Missy asks him where uh, where he was when his mother died. Chris tells her that uh, that he doesn't want to think about it, but then answers that he was watching. He was home watching TV. She continues to ask him what he hears. He said he hears rain. Missy asks him if he hears the rain, if he hears the rain now, um, and he answers with a shuddering. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to hold back tears yeah. at this point in time, and. And I, this is the thing. I feel like it's not tears of him thinking of his mom. I feel like it's tears of him trying to resist her hypnosis. And feeling trapped. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I like, think I can't get out of this situation. I'm glad that the episode before this is, or that came before this was Candyman. Yeah. Because we talked about it in that episode, the, the inspiration that Peel probably got from Candyman and yeah. that scene where, um, uh, she sees Candyman and she's in that hypnotic gaze and that teardrop or mm-hmm. that, that tear just flows oh, down. Perfect. And you see that here. It's just, it's more like when you think about Candyman, she did it because she's like, she felt trapped. Right. And Chris is feeling that here too. He's like, exactly. Fuck, He's I, like, I feel like, isolated. I feel pressed up against and yeah. I'm, I'm stuck. Perfect. It's fucking perfect. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Missy asks him uh, to tell her uh, when he when he has found the rain. We slightly cut to Chris thinking about the night as a child watching TV. Back to Chris, and Missy tells him uh, to look at him, um, or yeah, tells him to look at her. Excuse me. She asks where uh, where is his mom. Chris starts to tell her, uh, tell her that she was coming home, but she never came home. Missy asks him what did he do. Chris tells her nothing. I did absolutely nothing. Yeah, I just watched TV. Yeah. Fuck. Missy asks, why did you why did you not call anyone? With tears in his eyes at this point, he tells her that he uh would have called someone that would have made this and that would have made the situation real. Uh Missy tells him that he he was so scared. Um Chris with complete tears running down his face, he can't even speak. He starts to scratch the arm res- the armrests of the chair while Missy continues with her hypnotizing interrogation. Missy asks Chris uh, how he feels now, and he says that he can't move. Uh, she tells him that the day that he did nothing for his dying mother, um, Missy tells him to now sink into the floor. Chris starts repeating, wait, 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 wait. Missy, one last time, tells him to sink. And Chris drops to a black abyss, looking upward at Missy from the screen of his eyes. Missy puts down the tea. And we uh, and 
we get a look at Chris with his eyes completely wide open, tears pouring down his face, and she tells him, now you are in the sunken place. <laughs> Chris flo- uh, Chris's floating body is trying to scream, but nothing is coming out of his mouth. Missy closes his eyes and shuts him in- and shuts him to leave him alone into the sunken place. I feel like we can have an entire episode on just <laughs> the sunken place. First and foremost, mm-hmm. a fantastic concept. Yeah. This is a beautiful concept. Um, what does the sunken place, because you, you studied this film for a class. Mm-hmm. What does the sunken place mean to you? Like, so, like what, what, do you, what do you get from that? What I focused on was uh, the suppression that black people can feel when confronted with white people. Mm-hmm. They are very much put to be below them. Mm-hmm. And um, w- there is a lot of white people that will suppress any notion of advancing for equality. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the sunken place is a way to kind of establish and focus on certain maybe flaws, issues, insecurities to keep them sunken down below. Yeah. Keeping them in their, for lack of a better term, in their place. Mm-hmm. Not that I agree with that. Sure. Um, but it's this constant battle of trying to progress, move upward, move high up to get to the point of equality because that's, that's in my eyes, like the promised land, right? That's like what we want to achieve. That's yeah. what I want to achieve. I want it to be the point where diversity is not an issue anymore that we can all be equal and it's it's a hard reality to envision being reality yeah and with that being said i think the sunken place really represents a one step forward two steps back notion sure yeah where there's so much being done to be progressive when it comes to equality and and to to wrong so many rights yeah but there are people Predominantly in this case, when it's whites versus black, there's white people that are suppressing black people, pushing mm-hmm. them down, keeping them sunken below. And that, like I said, there could be a whole episode that I feel like we could do. I could talk about this for hours. Yeah, same. Um, like I, I find this concept super fascinating because the, one of the main things that I feel like uh, we have as uh, in America something it's a very predominant system the prison system yeah this that is the best way to keep a person in general to feel sunken you can't get out you're stuck yeah like you are yourself but you you can't be yourself because you have to constantly be on guard you have to constantly like uh like watch out for yourself and that to me that's what feels like the sunken place and like that's the first immediate thought that I get every time I see this, where it's just like, like that reminds me of like how my uncle was back in jail mm. on Coles. Like it's just like the the their stories that I've heard from them th- throughout this process reminds me of this exact moment, where for one of my uncles he he said that uh, for him he when he was behind bars he said that. He could see everything, but he couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. When he would watch TV in jail, he could see it, but it's not like he could do anything about it. And even now that he's out, he still has that on his record that he is a convicted felon. Yeah. 
Therefore, it's harder for him to find jobs. It's harder. He can't vote. Mm-hmm. You can never. He can never vote. Yeah. And it's just like if he wanted to go against to try to change the system, it's nothing he can do. You're being suppressed. Exactly. Like in the second place, and it. it's continued on and on and on even after the fact which is why you see kind of those effects mm-hmm. uh when he gets in and out of hypnosis like he, he's still affected by it so go off of that um and you know regarding the prison system let's be real there's so many black people that are wrongfully in prison yeah. and for a long time yeah, and sure. there are white people that are rightfully in prison and they get let go you have I mean, within the last couple of years, you have so many white college students that are like raping right. women, and getting nothing. Yeah, <laughs> like they, getting left left off and like nothing. Yeah, exactly. Jesus it's, Christ, it's disgusting. Have you actually heard of a of a novel? It's called Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Yeah, there's a movie coming out. Of that, yeah, actually, I, or, which I well, the movie's out. I did not know until just like a couple of weeks before it came mm-hmm. out. Bella actually recommended me to read that book, and I did. And yeah. it's it's a series of I'm going to say short stories, but it's a series of stories. Yeah, um, where it really um, dives deep into the prison system and how wrong it can be, going all the way back to um, the South, like or like like uh, maybe like early 1980s mm-hmm. South versus like prison system today and mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. fucked it is yeah and it's it's pretty rough i mean the 13th amendment alone is what scared me enough to never want to go to prison do you know what the 13th amendment is not off the top of my head so um let me let me get the, the exact quote of the 13th amendment really quick yeah but just to continue that thought that i mean it's it's fuck i always think of Childish Gambino saying, this is America. Like, yeah. That, that line <laughs> comes to mind so much after that song came out. Like it, it, it gave me a statement for the thoughts I've always had about America. Yeah. But like the prison system is a business. There are private companies that like have prisons or like that own prisons and it's a business. Yep. They have, they get money for keeping people in prisons and black people are the target of that. Yeah. One hundred percent, and it's unfortunate. It is really, really unfortunate. It's more than unfortunate. It's a, it's a like it, a fucking problem. It you is. Know? It it's, is. It's just so one hundred percent so frustrating that no one's willing to like do enough. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, like, like a lot of it's us are like, of, it's one of those things too, where it's just like you kind of think too, like, like what do I do? Yeah, like it sucks. how how far is protesting going to get me? Yeah, yeah, and that's where I I think this is America. Yeah. It's, it, the system is built in a way where you can't do anything. Exactly. That you're you're suppressed. You're yeah, ugh. yeah, and it sucks. But uh, the Thirteenth Amendment in Section One: Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been uh, duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Section Two: Congress shall have power uh, uh, to enforce this article by appropriate le- uh, legislation. Which means That's fucking slavery is real, yeah, and, or slavery not as real. Excuse me, slavery is still happening. Yeah, no, yeah. in the prison system, it's it's completely legal, disgusting and terrifying to enslave someone in the prison system, and correction officers have every right, according to this amendment, to use any force necessary to make sure that is done. It's disgusting. Yeah, the Thirteenth Amendment is what scared me to try my best to not go to prison. 
and try my best to do the right thing. That's the thing. I'm not saying that like every person is good. Yeah. Like there's bad people in this world, but that's just bad people. And the, the whole generalization of one bad person or one bad black person or whatever makes it seem like all black people are bad. Yeah. Where it's just like, dude, that that's not fair. It's not because like it, it, I can't say something like, oh, because this per this person who shot up a group of people is white. That just means all white people are going to shoot up people. Yeah, and I think it's like, no. Yeah, it's it's tough because that's like, not fair. It's not because like I think it's just the way our language is construct constructed. It, we speak in the way of absolute. Yeah, and I catch myself like I think I think people that listen to this show a lot notice that I talk about white people very negatively a lot and, um, <laughs> it's not an absolute it's yeah it's white people that are that have the intent of doing harm right um and i have to be honest that i think that a, the largest group in america it's mm. white people that are causing harm mm. but of course that doesn't mean to me all white people just as it shouldn't be that like one black person doing something wrong doesn't mean mm-hmm. that all black people do wrong right and with that being said yes there are not everyone in prison is bad but there are a lot of good people in prison that don't deserve to be in 100%. the prison system yeah. no definitely we wake up with chris uh gasping for air but he is in bed where uh where he previously left rose while rose is in the shower chris hears a uh, notification from his phone and realizes that his his phone is unplugged from the charger he checks his phone and plugs it back into the charger uh we cut to chris outside in the, in the woods taking pictures of the area chris is walking back to the house and he notices that georgina is uh at the window upstairs looking at herself in the mirror. He takes his camera to get a closer look and what she might be doing. It's And it seems like she uh, is going to take off her wig, but then she looks sharply downward at Chris. He quickly forces his... Uh, uh, focuses his camera on something else. I put it real smooth. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, wasn't. No, it was definitely not. It was just like, dude, you got caught, bro. <laughs> like, come yeah. on. Uh, Chris uh, glances back up at the window, and Georgina is gone. He turns his attention to Walter chopping on firewood. Chris heads over to speak with him. He asks him a question about all of the work that uh, the Armitage, the Armitages uh, have him doing. Chris officially introduces himself to Walter, but Walter tells Chris that he already knows who he is. Walter continues to uh, about telling him how lovely Rose is. He then asked him if uh, what Missy did worked. Uh, Chris plays, uh, plays it off as if he doesn't remember, but he knows exactly what's going on. Walter tells him that, that he will mind his own business and get back to, get back to work. Uh, we cut to Chris in the bedroom telling Rose that her mom hypnotized him last night. Now the thought of a cigarette makes him want to throw up. He also remembers the sunken place, but like it was a dream. Now put here, yeah, my dude, it would have it would have been outright. I would have excuse me. I said, yeah, my dude, I would have been out outright in that moment. This lady hypnotized me. I'm like cool your mom hypnotized me i'm fucking out yeah like i I think she did it without my consent i think for a normal person it's more so like that really fucking happened like he doesn't remember it he's like and he woke up yeah in bed to it so he's like yeah did i dream it yeah yeah did this really happen but then he got clarification from walter yeah that's true and then also like with the the cigarette yeah cigarettes it's a confirmation of that right exactly um 
all yeah. He, this is the I point where fucking done. Chris is just like this is fucking weird, but also like he really loves Rose. He likes Rose. Yeah, he likes Rose a lot. Yeah. Uh, Chris asks what the deal is with Walter and uh, that his vibe is hostile. He tells Rose that maybe he likes her. Rose makes a joke about the situation and turns Chris slightly off because uh, he's just like, oh, do you think I have a chance? And that was one thing that I kind of was just like, I don't like that. Like just that whole thing when when you're just like, damn, you play too much. Yeah. Like, it's just like, obviously I'm being super serious right now. And this is something that bothers me that I don't want to hear a fucking joke. Rose does that a lot. She does that a lot. With regards to Chris, because she's trying to downplay everything. Yeah. She's trying like, to be oh, like, oh, this isn't a big deal. You're like, overreacting. Stop. Yeah, stop. But it's, it's honestly, it's because Chris is catching on. Yeah. Uh, she tells Chris that she will, uh, she will bring it up with her dad, but he doesn't want that to happen. Um, uh, mainly because he's just like, yeah, he doesn't want, really want to snitch. Yeah. And he's like snitches get stitches, and I even put here. I was like, but this is also this is also like kind of a true thing, like where black folks kind of look out for black folks. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just like that's, that that just happens. He doesn't even talk about snitching in this scene. He, no. uh, he's like, it's not that big. Yeah, of it's deal. not that big of a deal. It's like, like it's like no. Like, yeah, I'm not telling you so you can go tell your dad. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm telling to confide you, in you. Right, like, exactly. Don't go snitching. Yeah, like there's no point in telling your dad. Like I don't want him to talk to him about this. Yeah, uh, the party people are are here showing up in black cars and SUVs and. Literally, all of them are black cars and SUVs. And he actually didn't uh, write this down, but when Chris is taking pictures, he walks past uh, all of the chairs. All of the chairs are also black. I never caught that. I caught the cars being all black. Yep. And, yeah. All the chairs are all black, and they kind of reminded me of, and this honestly could be a stretch, but uh, knowing all the symbolism in this movie, it's possible that it's not. But uh, it kind of reminded me, it, it kind of popped into my head as like white people sitting on top of black people. Oh, shit. I'm sure... You're not wrong yeah. with that, and that, that's what it kind of like popped up into my head. Like it's a like it's an oppression thing. I'm I'm sure you're dead on with that because think about it. Like someone had a for the set, right? We're talking about like yes, production someone of the film. literally had to pick black chairs. Exactly. Yeah, like and and someone probably asked, "What kind of chairs do we get?" Yeah. Someone said they need to be black. Right. Yeah. Like, what kind of cars do we drive? Yeah. They need to be black. Yep. What should the people wear to this party? Black. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Walter opens the car door for a couple uh, for a couple and greets them like they haven't seen them in years. I and I put here. I love the, I love this moment um, when it hits because it starts all making sense after the fact when this movie is complete because it's just like oh, Walter, like, how are you? I haven't seen you in a year. Yeah. How have you been? Yeah. Because these people don't live here. They don't. Yeah. These people are all over. Yeah. And they because they come visit once a year mm-hmm. to shop. Yeah. God damn. We cut to Rose and Chris walking around the party. Rose introduces him to the Greens. Uh, they go on asking him if he plays golf and how much they love Tiger Woods. <laughs> and I put here, this shit actually happens. This yeah. is real. Like this I've legit seen it many, happens. Many, many <laughs> uh, Gordon ends up by asking uh, ends by asking Chris to see his form. Rose then introduces Chris to Nelson and Lisa. Lisa begins to flirt with Chris and starts touching his biceps. Rose gives her a look like you are coming way too strong and I put here this is why she's my favorite character because she's kind of giving him a look like not get don't get off like she's not giving him a look like as in as if to say get off my man she's giving him a look like you're doing way too much and you're making this shit way too obvious so I love you need to calm the fuck down I love these two interactions between the two pairs of couples or the, the two couples right yeah. but the first one the older dude is like let me see your form he keeps asking about like how how's your form yeah, when you golf have you ever golf? golf 
Yeah, because he's trying to he's he's shopping. Yeah, he but we don't the viewer doesn't know that until they've yeah, already until seen you've the movie. already seen it. So when well, you watch and, it again, and even when you if you've seen the movie and you don't even kind of put that back in your head, like you have to watch the movie again for this to yeah. scene to really hit you. Well, I mean, because the thing about it that's so smartly done is this is not far off with how people act. <laughs> no, it's very true. <laughs> <laughs> like straight up, like old white dude's gonna be like. All I care about is golf. I don't really give a fuck what you say. <laughs> Talk to me about golf, right? So as a viewer, you're like, yeah, it's just an old white guy. That's what they do. <laughs> they Next like scene, you're going to have a ignorant-ass white woman that... And a person who's uh, uh, who's paraplegic. Yeah. Can't, he can't even move, really. Yeah. He's in a wheelchair. He's He has oxygen. Yeah. He's dying soon. Yeah. And this girl, all she could think about is just the fact that, like, not that he's dying. She's more so thinking about, the, like, well, I'm trying to get my fuck on. Yeah, like, straight up. Like, like her, I want me a fuck toy. She's ignoring that her husband's right there, walks up to Chris without saying anything, squeezes his bicep, touches his chest, yeah. looks at him, asks about his dick, asks how good the sex is. Yeah. Because, like you said, she's envisioning herself fucking a black dude probably for the first time right. and it's like it's exotic to her right yeah exactly um it's it's like bitch they got websites for that what are you doing but at this <laughs> yeah but at the same time what's so intelligent about this is it's not far off from reality mm-hmm. it's not far off from a white woman doing something like that an old ignorant white woman doing that yeah or really anyone that because it because Chris is black, yeah. To them, it's like this is this is the party that really makes it like extravagant. Yeah, right? it's just like it's like black is in and all the other yeah. stuff, oh and God, then it's yeah. just like it makes it so extravagant. Because Lisa, uh, Lisa then asked if uh, black dudes are better. Like yeah. she was like, "Is it true? Are yeah. black men actually better?" And then I put here, "It's true." <laughs> 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 she takes Chris to meet another couple, and this motherfucker is talking all about black is in fashion and shit. Since fair skins uh, was has been in for over two hundred years, now black is the new new thing. Oh uh, Chris God. parts himself to go take pictures. I put here, "I absolutely love how Rose's facial expression, um, uh, her." Facial expression is expressing how much they, oh, Jesus Christ, someone's hunking like crazy out there. Um, Her facial expression, um, how they're dropping the ball by saying so, by being so blunt with their conversations towards Chris. But you're watching this the first time. Um, It seems like she is getting upset by how awkward uh, the conversation already is. And I was actually able to kind of catch that pretty early on. Uh, Chris goes over to a tree to look into his viewfinder to spy on a family at to, to spy on the family at the party. He notices Dean and calls Chris over, but he ignores it and acts like uh, he doesn't see him. Looking back into the camera, he notices Andre is the only other black person who is willingly at this party, mm-hmm. and he is like, "Hold up!" But he's relieved. There's a brother here. Yeah, he's I gotta relieved. go see what's up to my man's. So he uh. Starts heading over towards Andre, um, and uh, he says to Andre, he's like, uh, he was like, uh, this is good to see another brother here. Um, Andre turns around and responds with, yes, yes, it is. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and then Chris immediately is like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. And this is honestly, this is the thing. Like, this is like a legit thing. Like, like, and for some people, call me whatever the fuck you want to call me. But this is something that... I personally truly have to do, and I've learned this from my family as well, where we change our voice. It's a uh, code matching. It is. Yeah. And and that's There's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with it. And and like when I talk to other people, like people who are part of my race, like I switch 
not will not on purpose. Yeah, like, it just happens. Yeah, like I switch to where I'm. I'm, I'm talking to match with them. Yeah. And w- when I answer the phone and I don't know who's calling me, I answer, hello? Yes, this is Prince. This is him speaking. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny because um, when I was younger, that phone voice or like that customer service yeah. voice, I always called it the polite voice. Yeah. And I actually, it's actually a pet peeve of mine hearing it. Anyone's polite voice, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's odd. It's weird. It's I've different. got I got rid of it a long time ago. Yeah. Um. But and then when I came to terms with the idea of like um or code switching, my bad. I said mm-hmm. code matching earlier. Code code switching. Code switching. Yep. Um. I was like, is that cool? But then I was like, yeah, it is. Because like, let's be real with the way that how the world is constructed. Like sometimes you have to speak a certain way if yeah. you're like in a professional environment or you're in a more lax environment or with when you're with your people like yeah. like straight up like i'll talk differently if i'm talking to hispanic people or if i'm talking to like um middle eastern people yeah like i'll be real like it it does switch middle eastern not so much because like i have not really like, enveloped that culture because yeah. that was my dad's side and i, I wasn't Raised, wasn't raised in that middle eastern like until i was 10 years old i thought i was 100 percent latino right but like i know people that are middle eastern that like they understand that i'm not so middle eastern but like like they get it like yeah. They'll, they'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll say like some things here and there right yeah um and this happens a lot too with people who not are just like a certain culture like this happens with people who are gay as yeah. well like yeah. they like uh, this is this is something like i i have a coworker that he uh told me a story initially of him when he cuz he's born in the south he's bo- well sort sort of he's born in the east mm-hmm. um he lived in philly yeah. or in pennsylvania and he lived in a rural area in pennsylvania and he said anytime he's out there like he switches his voice like if he's at an intercom where he has to order food, yeah. he switches his voice. Yeah. If he's at a restaurant, he switches his voice. Mm-hmm. If he's with his boyfriend, he acts like they're friends. Yeah. Like it's things like that where he he does things where he knows like he's like I know where to be comfortable and I know where to keep my guard up. Exactly. And that's the whole thing that made me come to terms with code switching because before I was like, well, like if you just be be you, right? At first I'm like, no, because like the the country we're in and the world we're in is not, it's not constru- ready for that. It's not constructed in a way exactly that yeah. where you can be that and people are gonna uh, react um, neutrally to you, yeah. right? Yeah. People will react negatively depending on the way you speak, exactly. and people will treat you or Even give by you the way you dress. Yep, or more or less opportunities depending on 100%. your dialect. Yeah, one hundred percent. And even your name sometimes. Yeah. Like I, it it gets really hard for me with my name. My name being Prince. Yeah, like, and your like, last name's Jackson. Exactly. Like like you know immediately if I were to apply for a job, you know, okay, this gets black. Yeah. Like you, you just just because of my name, because mm-hmm. like how many white princes have you met? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I've only met one prince ever, so there you go. You're welcome. I'm glad to be in your life. A woman by the name of Philomena, that's a quite the name, uh, comes up and hands him a handkerchief. She then uh, introduces herself to Chris. Andre introduces himself to Chris as Logan King. Then tells Philomena that Chris feels more comfortable that he is here. Um, or excuse me, uh, Chris feels more comfortable that uh, that Logan is here. Chris was like, Dude, "What the fuck?" First of all, something's way off. Yeah, you're like you're talking weird. hella weird. Um, Who's her? Like, what, what is yeah. she doing here? Who Second is she of all, to you? Like, how are you gonna sex life? Like, yeah. <laughs> sex life, sex life. Um, straight up, like, 
he's snitching. Yeah. That's out of character, right? And then, but like, also like, I mean, I would, I'm again, I keep saying this, guys. You know this. I'm not black, right? <laughs> but I would imagine when a black dude is talking to another black dude and he says like, oh, good to see another brother, right? And then yeah. why would you go and tell like an old white woman that right after I told you that? I feel like you would... You would be like, yeah, I would have been like unspoken rule, right? Yeah, that's like when you say, like, I'm not gonna say it here, mainly because like I got I got a persona to to live for this podcast, and I want our podcast to be notated that that way. But that's like when you say the n word, but you say it out, and you're just like, bruh, yeah, what the what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this was between you and me. Like, yeah, what are yeah, you yeah. doing? I feel that. <laughs> like, like, but yeah, it's just like that's just is how it is, uh, but. Vilamina tells him that uh, the Wincots are looking for him. Chris extends his uh, his fist up for a pound, but Andre or Logan uh, shakes it instead. And I put fucking cringe. I hated this so much. I was like, <laughs> but it, it but it, it worked. It works. Yeah. God exactly. damn it! It, it shows you. Uh, Logan goes up to the Wincots uh, to show off his new body. Yeah, bitch. It it. It's so he's much like, better. Yeah. yeah. It works so much better once you've already shit. watched the movie. Yeah. The first like, time around, you're like, you're you don't like even oh, think like twice. maybe he's wearing nice clothes. And maybe he's yeah, just exactly. like, oh, I just bought this. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like no. Uh Chris continues exploring the guests. He walks up to the set of uh to the set of black chairs, and a blind man is sitting in one. Uh, and this dude's actually cool. Like to yeah. start. Like he he's he's normal. Yeah, he's yeah, I guess. Uh the blind man Jim Hudson tells Chris that they are all ignorant. He introduces himself to Chris and he already knows how uh who Chris is because he is the owner of an art gallery named Hudson Galleries. Chris is all intrigued at this point in time because he knows who he is and he's probably sold pieces to his gallery before. Yeah. Uh well, well he did. He did sell pieces because his assistant will tell him I forgot. Yeah. Uh but uh, la, 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 la. he's intrigued and finally and he can finally sit down and talk to someone that is kind of on his same level mm-hmm. where he's just like, OK, like he's not really acting weird. Yeah. Like he's kind of normal. And yeah. he's a he's down to earth. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he is. He's down to earth. Not necessarily normal. He's just he's he's down there because this dude was real as fuck from the start. Yeah. I mean, he's talking about what Chris has been wanting to talk about at at all and yeah, tried to with himself Rose. well and not only that but about how ignorant everyone is around him and he yeah. opens up with saying ignorance yeah 100 uh he asks jim how how he does it and he tells him that his assistant describes the images to him in great detail jim showers chris with com- uh, compliments about his work he tells chris that he he uh used to dabble in photography mainly uh he said landscape but he didn't have the eye for it and started to, started dealing art instead. Then he lost his eyesight. Uh, Chris tells him that shit ain't fair. And Jim agrees by repeating the same exact thing back to him. Um, and I put here probably because he knows something's going to be in store for him later. Yep. Uh, Chris walks back into the house and heads uh, upstairs while everyone else is chattering throughout the house. While walking up the stairs, everyone stops talking to watch and hear him walk up the stairs. Creepy. So fucking creepy it is so good yeah and i love it so much chris makes it upstairs but we cut to the people downstairs listening to his footsteps even more he makes it to the bedroom and notices that his phone is unplugged yet again he notices that georgina's door is slightly open chris goes back to take a peek inside but interrupted by rose coming in up the uh coming up the stairs he tells her to follow him into the room and then tells her that georgina unplugged his phone rose asks him why she would why she would do that um and chris tells her because she probably doesn't like seeing them together 
Uh, now, put here, this is actually a thing. Yeah. So with this, <laughs> watching this this time around, I feel like I was conscious of this, but it, it I never pointed it out in the film watching it before. Mm-hmm. You had shared with me before. I forgot it was an episode or off air. Mm-hmm. Um that there are black women that don't like the idea of um, black males dating like white women, or yeah, you know? they, they they sense a, a moment of trying to protect them. Yeah, yeah, because it's just like back to what what I said in the Candyman episode. Uh, certain white women don't know how powerful they actually are. Yes, exactly. Most white women don't. And then um, you had said that also. It's like trying to protect the 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 black race kind of right mm-hmm. of like trying to um trying to protect their black men yeah yeah but but also like uh from my understanding you said that but also like um oh you, oh you it's better to like, have like black children than right. mixed children right yeah, yeah yeah because you're protecting the the black race because right. eventually it could just go away sure right at least that's what I thought you had said yeah. um and I, I, I didn't say it in that context necessarily uh-huh. um it Please was correct me if i'm wrong yeah it, it was just more so or i didn't mean it in that context okay um but like it, it i could see how you how you kind of got that for sure because it's, it's interesting because most black people are mixed yeah in america yes for sure like like the only times you will see someone who's not mixed is if you see a last name for example like um um Aladuya or something like that mm-hmm. where it was like nigerian or yeah. something and then then you kind of uh, get that hint where it's like okay that's a 100% black man mm-hmm. or black woman yeah. or whatever um but when you get a name like Jackson or yeah. Hamilton or uh or Erickson or mm-hmm. whatever or Jefferson um these are all people we know from him- history yeah Thomas Jefferson Andrew Jackson so on and so forth mm-hmm. and that was a very common thing for you to inherit your your slave owner's name yeah and that that was just very common you were jackson's property you were blah blah blah's property um but even with that being said like uh my grandma she's fair she's very fair skin and she has uh blue eyes mm-hmm. but my grandma's black yeah and my grandma always told me the stories of initially her being uh, getting the shit of the shit end of the stick from both sides. Mm-hmm. She got it from white people and she got it from black people. Yeah. Um, cause black people were more so for her. She was just like, well shit, I can't fit in with them because I don't look like you. And that's that. And that's, that's what they would say. Like, you don't look like us. You're not black. You're white. Yeah. But she identified as a black woman because mm-hmm. she kinky hair. She got afros, the whole nine. Her mom was black. She was just mixed. That yeah. was the thing. And, my family's lineage goes back really far. Like we, we have uh, uh, Jewish ancestors, we have German ancestors and all this whole other jazz. But uh, with that being said, she just felt like she couldn't really truly fit in anywhere. Yeah. Like, especially like she was scared to go into the colored only bathroom. Yeah. And she was just like, I don't know what to do. So she would just, she would, she said she'd never went to the bathroom at school. Wow. She would just go to the bathroom at home because she felt scared that someone was going to hurt her. And, either bathroom yeah so she was like i'm just she just waited that's so tough yeah and she used to even tell me that she used to just pee on the side of the road sometimes while walking home yeah because she was just like i don't i don't feel safe going into that environment yeah and that was just for both ends so for her she just she didn't know what to do she just felt lost and it wasn't until she eventually moved to san francisco Mm -hmm. is where she felt a little bit more at peace yeah um and it didn't take her 
it didn't happen right away. It just it, it took some time. Yeah, but I would she, imagine she so. definitely felt a little more at ease mm-hmm. by the whole thing, though. But yeah, it, it's interesting, though. It, it's it is, interesting yeah. that you say that, like trying to keep it in the black race and things like that, because it's just like there's a lot of us who aren't all black. Like, yeah, 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 I mean, sure. it, it's it's just like we're all mixed with some type of white. I was going to say, like, <laughs> let's be real. None of us are 100% of something. No. Like, like it's, let's not, be It's not, not happening. We we just think we are. Right. Um. But with that being said, with Georgina, I mean, with Chris saying, maybe she doesn't like me being with you. Yeah. And it's and it's funny because the person who actually is playing Chris, he's 100% Nigerian. He's British. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's British Nigerian. So I always wondered if he had an accent. Because I've only seen him in Get Out and Black Panther. Oh shit! And that's it. Watch him in an episode called One Thousand Merits." Yeah, um, but or one million merits in Black Mirror. Okay, or fifteen million merits. That's okay, what it's called. Okay. Fifteen million merits, Black Mirror. Yeah, and it's him completely in his full form. He's and he's full British. You can even watch him in Skins. Okay, which is a older TV show. Heard of it? But um, I would say watch him in Black Mirror. Because you see, this is like I feel like this episode is why Jordan Peele chose him. Okay, because it is fucking bananas. All right. Oh, so good though. Um. Anyway, sorry guys, we're gonna we're gonna kind of uh, hit overdrive a little bit here. We know we're going a little over. <laughs> no room in uh, this episode. I yeah, for real. In the beginning. For real. Like we're almost hitting two hours. Uh, Rose doesn't complete uh, completely understand and starts park, poking fun at the situation. Chris tells her not to worry about it, um, mainly because he's over her poking fun at the situation and uh, uh, and that it's all good because he he knew that she was going she was not going to get it from his perspective. Yeah, um, and so she. She gets upset and she actually leaves. So, uh, so we get to to Rod on the phone with Chris. Or we go to uh, to Rod on the phone uh, with Chris. He starts telling Rod about uh, him getting hypnotized by Missy. Rod starts telling him how crazy this shit sounds and how he and how is he not scared of this? And it's just like. Dude, seriously, how are you not scared of this? Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris tells Rod that for that the black people that are that are here seem to have missed the movement. <laughs> love this scene. I, lo- I just love the way he said it. Yeah. Rod makes a serious joke um, about them probably being hypnotized, and then Chris fakes laugh. He's just like. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Uh, Chris hangs up the phone on Rod. Georgina says hello from the door frame and scares the shit out of Chris, and he stands right back up. Yeah. Georgina has uh, come to apologize about touching his uh, belongings and reassures him that uh, there was no funny business. She starts to explain to Chris how he how his phone got unplugged in the first place. Chris tells her that uh, it is fine and that he wasn't trying to snitch. Georgina doesn't understand the term, but uh, Chris uses a different word like rat you out. Yeah. Um, and she responds with, oh, tattletale. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Love I, that. I think Chris is aware at this point. Like he knows something. He knows up something's and he's off. Like, like, come, if, like, if you bring he he's. Straight up not trying to snitch, but also he's like, I know if I, like, keep saying snitch, or, like, yeah. you, you probably are not going to understand right. what I'm trying to say, right? Right. And he's, I think he's testing the waters. Yeah, 100%. Uh, she tells Chris that she doesn't uh, she doesn't answer to anyone. Um, Chris tells her that... Uh, he gets blah, blah, blah. nervous when That's there's right. so many white people around. That's right, yeah. And, Chris tells her that, that he gets nervous when so many white people around, you're right. Yeah. Uh, but I love what Georgina says that she doesn't answer to anyone because she's grandma. Yeah, exactly. She's like, no, nah, this she's is the my top shit. Top of the line, yeah. yeah. She's like, no, they answer to me. She just needs to play pretend I'm the help while right. 
this is all going but on. That's the cool part behind this because she's constantly in the house because that's her fucking house. Yeah. She's like, I'm watching them. Yeah. I'm not watching you. Yeah. I don't give a shit about you. And that's probably like that moment where um, Rose's mom is like, you should go rest. And yeah. she was just like, what the fuck are you telling me to go rest for? Exactly. Right? And she was like, maybe you're right. Yeah. And she was more so probably thinking like, bitch, know your <laughs> place. Like, <laughs> But I love the reaction here when Chris says, I just get nervous being around so many white people, mm-hmm. you know? And then you see Georgina. The we don't know her name, but like the yeah. uh, maybe we do later on. I don't. I don't I know. No, they never tell you. Okay, the real Georgina, right? She, she's like, she's, she's reaching fighting. out for help. She's, she's like, fighting. you need to get out. Like, yep. and so Georgina looks at him with concern, like she is frightened to come out. She starts laughing and crying from one eye at the same time. She repeats the words "no" and tells Chris that the Armitage the Armitages are good to them and that they treat them like family. Then Vastly walks out of the room. Chris whispers to himself, that bitch is crazy. <laughs> uh, Chris heads back downstairs to the rest of the party. Dean calls him over to meet some of his friends. And I put here, I love how there's literally one Asian dude who asks ask him if being black is more of an advantage or disadvantage. Chris sees Logan and calls him over and tells him uh, that they are asking him about the African-American experience and that he would should take uh, he should take the question while Logan is telling everyone um, how his experience has been to be black Chris takes out his phone to take a picture of him but his flash is on Andre immediately comes out and stops talking and his eyes have gone cloudy glazed over even he looks at Chris and his nose starts to bleed Andre tells Chris to get out repeatedly and grabs Chris in the process I put here I love this because this uh, there's uh, this is uh, was so much sincere there was so much sincerity in dre's voice and in his eyes that the fear just kind of escaped out um yeah. but you see the sense of save yourself i'm gone yeah in his eyes that's so sad and you're just like you're just like get out like like he's he's looking out for you yeah and at he, this point there's a point where he's like get fucking out man and it's just like oh man yeah. like it sucks yeah dude. it's it's rough uh, inside the house, Dean tells Chris and everyone else that Logan suffered a seizure that was caused by Chris's flash on his camera. Missy opens the door behind Dean from her office, and Logan comes out with Philomena and apologizes for scaring anyone at the party, especially Chris. Logan says that this whole ordeal made him tired, and Philomena and, dis- and him decided to leave the party. Dean comf- uh, comforts everyone um, by telling them that they should keep this party going with sparklers and bingo rose tells his tells uh her dad that that her and chris are going to take a walk instead and i put here this bitch fucking smart mainly because she still is making it seem like she actually cares about chris but in reality she knows what they need to do next Mm -hmm. they need to auction him off yeah so she knows she needs to get him away from the event so it can be private they go to an area by a lake. Uh, Chris starts to tell Rose that this was n- that that was not a seizure uh, because he has a cousin who has uh, ep- um, epilepsy. Yeah. Rose says that her dad is a neurosurgeon and that she trusts his word. Chris continues to repeat that this wasn't a seizure and ask her how how long has she known Logan. She says that she met him today and asked why. He tells Rose that he felt like he knew the guy that grabbed him. Um. Because she, he was like, oh, I f-, he was like, I felt like I knew him. And she's like, Logan? He's like, no, 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 not Logan. The, the guy, guy who grabbed, grabbed me. me. Yeah. 
and Rose, trying to make sense of it all, asks if he is talking about Logan, but he retorts and saying, not him, but the guy that came at me. While Meanwhile, the white folks are playing their game, quote-unquote. Chris is telling Rose um, that her mom has got in his head and he is thinking about all this fucked up shit that uh, he doesn't want to think about. He tells Rose that he wasn't, he wants to go home and ask if she wants, if, if he wants to go without her. She's like, you're going to leave without me? I'm like, yeah, if you don't want to come, shit, I'm ready to go home. Like, I don't like any of this. Yeah, and he's like, it's up to you. Yeah, and he was like, it's on you. Yeah. Back to uh, back to the cut of the silent bingo game, uh, um, or the slave auction, uh, whatever you want to call it. Dean is throwing up numbers, and Jim seems to uh, uh, Jim wins the lot for Chris. Cut back to Chris and Rose sitting uh, sitting down. Chris is telling Rose more information about the death of his mom and how he blames himself for her death. She didn't die right away. So uh, so to him, she died cold and alone while he was watching TV. I put here, this harkens back earlier to the uh, to the deer dying on the side of the road. It was just another reminder of how his mom died by a car by a car hitting her. Rose holds Chris. He tells her uh, that she is all that he has left and how much he is not going to abandon her again. Rose says, quote, let's go home to Chris. Uh, uh, she says, quote, let's go home end quote to Chris. And he tells her that he loves her. Chris and Rose are walking back to the house and all of the rest of the guests are leaving the Armitages. Uh, Jeremy is on the porch playing the ukulele. And while Chris and Rose are uh, walking inside the house, Walter and Georgina are smiling at them. And also Dean and Missy are also smirking at them. Yeah. Fuck. At this point, you know, like, okay. Something's up. Everything is ready. You know, with the silent auction. Yeah. That. Like after that, like you're just like something's definitely up because especially you see his you see his picture. Yeah, it's like a huge portrait. A huge of him. portrait of him, and you're just like, fuck. How the fuck did they get that? Uh, probably the internet. Yeah, because it looked like a profile picture. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. Once in the house, Jeremy stops playing, and everyone else heads in, in right behind him or right behind them. Chris is looking at himself in the mirror and gets the idea to send the image to Dre, a uh, image of Dre to Rod. Uh, before, excuse me, before he could uh, walk back to the bed, Rod calls him and tells him that uh, tells him that the man in the photo is Dre, he, and he says to me, he was like, "That's Dre." And Chris was like, "That's fucking right." Yeah, yeah, he was like, he was like, "Wait, who?" He was like, "Oh, you know, blah blah blah." He he's so and so kicking with Veronica. Yeah, he used to kick it with Veronica and blah blah blah, and at the movies and yada yada, yeah. and um. And he was like, that, that is him. I yeah. fucking knew it. I yeah. fucking knew it. Um, and then uh, he starts to tell Rod that Dre is acting all different. And he was like, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's a sex uh, he, And that he was uh, uh, was was with a white woman that was about 30 years older than him. And Rod pieces it together and yells out, sex slave. Oh, yeah. shit, Chris. You got to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> Chris's phone dies right at this moment. Um, Rose comes into the room and t- he tells he tells her that they have to go right now. She goes to grab her bag and she's asking him, is anything wrong? And while Chris is packing up, she notices that the closet door is open. Chris goes to check it, uh, goes to check it out and then notices a red box. He opens it and sees that there are pictures of Rose. Uh, some, some are just of her, um, and her childhood. He continues going through the photos and notices that there are many of her with other black men and one black woman. Chris eventually gets to this, uh, gets to the photos that have both Walter and Georgina. You can imagine that these are probably pieced in order chronological yeah. order of who she's dated yeah. it would have been awesome though 
if Chris's picture would have been in there. Oh damn! Not yet. Not yet. But Not yet. but that's that would have been that would have been the icing cut. on the cake because she knows what's happening next. Yeah, like that would have been the icing on the cake for me. Or if her picture, uh, we'll get to that. Well, one. I think it comes down to it because she actually enjoyed these relationships, and even later on, she says to Chris as he it was, uh, about she was her favorite. Happen. Yeah, Chris was one of uh, her favorites. Yeah, but um, I think she just does it for all of them. Just as to a reminder, like like I'm the shit. Like, well, I, I think these, she these, like those are her trophies. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that they are trophies. Or I think she actually enjoys it. I think, at I think that Rose's character actually does like having a relationship with um black people. Yeah. we don't know what Georgina if it was just like a friend that came along or a girlfriend that came along, yeah. right? And that's and that's that even goes back to the connotation of like uh, how some black women are towards black men. Where it's just like, oh, like all you, all you men want are black or white women or whatever, and yeah. blah blah blah. And it, granted, that's not the case entirely, but mm-hmm. it, it's just sometimes, yeah, like that's what happens. And it's it's great because Jordan Peele is also in an interracial uh, yep. relationship. He's uh, married to Chelsea Peretti, mm-hmm. and she's in Brooklyn Nine Nine, and um, like they're a beautiful couple. And it's and on top of that, his mom is white. Yeah. So it's just like it's such a fascinating take, and that's the thing where it's just like even if you're black and white, you're still considered black. Like that's just how it is for some reason, and it's just like, and not necessarily with the black race. That's what I was gonna bring up because with the black race, like same thing goes with my grandma. Like you're not, you're yeah. not that. But to everybody else, you're black. This is definitely not even close to the same regard. I want to make that very clear. But like with me being Latino and Middle Eastern, but I look white. Like, my ethnicity is Hispanic, my mm-hmm. ethnicity is Middle Eastern, but my race would be, on paper, white. Because my skin is very fair, mm-hmm. I have colored eyes, I have dirty blonde hair. But at the end of the day, like, because of that, I am, when I am with, like, my fellow Hispanic community, they don't see me as Hispanic because, yeah. or, like, fully Hispanic, really. Yeah. Not only because of my mix, but because of my my f- physical traits, right? Yeah. Um, same with... When I interact with my Middle Eastern community, um, I look very Jewish in yeah. comparison to right. being Middle Eastern. But if if we're being real, like I I think I think Middle Eastern and Jewish share very very similar traits physically. Yeah, I think the difference is the the complexity of the skin. Right, 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 like right. One is more fair, while one is more dark. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's interesting. It is because like super fascinating and same thing happens with my wife because my wife is more Mexican than white Mm -hmm. and no one knows that. I didn't know that. Yeah. My wife looks white. (laughs) Like she's, she has dirty blonde hair just like yourself and and crystal blue eyes. Like she's like, she looks like a white Straight up just like how everyone thinks I'm just a white boy. Right. Yeah. And she's, and we took a DNA test and her mom is full Mexican. Yeah. Like her mom is full blown Mexican and her, her last name was Duran. That's her maiden name. Yeah. Like it's just like like it's just and Kathleen's maiden name is Halpin. That's the thing like, that it, I mean, that's the thing. It's like race is a construct made by people. Exactly. Race is not real, it's not biological, but ethnicity is. Exactly. But for some reason I mean, there is a re- it's not some reason. The reason why race is it, race exists is to create that that social ranking system when slavery was a thing. Right. You know? Too. And it's like it's, that's what makes like applying for like jobs and shit like super bullshit. Where it's like, oh, we are a diverse company, yeah, and blah yeah. blah blah. What race are you? Yeah. Like if you're a diverse diverse company, 
Why exactly. do you give a fuck? And then, like, <laughs> and then there's the the means of hiring just to become more diverse. Exactly. And that's I think that's racist in itself as well. It is. Just I, to have better uh, genetic binomes. Because like even when companies put that on their about page, it's just like, we're a devi- diverse company. Yeah. Look at us. We got 3% black people that work here. Yeah. Ding. I, like, I, mean, <laughs> it, it, I, I will say it is better to... To advocate that diversity, then not course, at all. Of course, of course, of like, course. No, 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 no. There, yeah, there's diversity. Still, I would prefer yeah. that. Yeah, I've always grew up in a there's diversity. There's still issues right. all along with it, or yeah, yeah. with a lot of it. But, um, man, I had a thought and I lost it. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll continue with the plot. If you if you think of it, just just call me out. All right. Sounds uh, good. Rose comes back into the room as soon as Chris shuts the door to the closet. Um, and I put here, you know, damn well she was just probably standing there the whole time watching him go through it. And I picture her standing there with a smile on her face. Yeah. Like I'm glad you saw it. Oh, damn! Right. Think so. you think I, I picture yeah, doing that because she seems up, like that actually. type. Yeah. Uh, he asked he asked her if she is if she has the keys and um, wants to put the uh, bags in the trunk. He definitely was going to leave her ass in that moment. He was because he was just like, "Oh, I'll put the bags in the trunk." Yeah, and, was, and like I knew, like right then there, she was like, "Shit, he was about to fucking dip." Oh my god, she needs to hold on to the keys. Yep. Rose drops down to check for her keys in her bag, but she can't find them. Chris suspects that she is lying and asks her, "Oh, you can't find those keys? Okay, well let's do this on the move." <laughs> uh, they are headed downstairs, but Jeremy is blocking the doorway with a lacrosse stick. I actually didn't know if that was the correct terminology of that stick. I think it is a stick used for lacrosse. I don't know if it has a name. It, and it's just lacrosse stick. Oh, okay. I, I had to ask Mike. Oh. Mike from the Good Night Podcast. Shouts out to my guy. Um, but Because he used to play lacrosse back in college. Oh, okay. And I was like, what's the stick called in lacrosse? And he was like, a lacrosse stick. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what I thought. <laughs> Thanks. And he's like, no problem. <laughs> uh, Chris is letting Jeremy know that they are uh, putting the bags in the car. Missy asks if they would like some tea, but Chris tells her that they're actually about to leave. Rose tells her mom that Chris's dog has gotten sick and that they need to take him to the vet. Jeremy moves closer to uh, Jeremy moves closer while Chris continues to call for Rose. Dean walks towards the fireplace and asks Chris, uh, "What is his purpose in life?" Chris tells him that right now it is finding <laughs> those keys, yeah. and then he looks at Rose. He calls out uh, to Rose once again, and she tells him with tears in her eyes that she is trying to find him. And she doesn't know what's going on. And this is the moment where uh, Chris finally knew that he was completely alone. Yeah. Dean continues about being gods uh, locked inside their cocoon and all that weird type of shit. Fucking freak. Chris begins to start yelling at Rose for the keys and for her to get the keys now. Jeremy takes a swing at him with the stick but misses. Chris asks Rose one last time where the keys are. She takes the keys um. She takes the keys out and tells him, you know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? Yeah. <laughs> That's that transition of her her, her crying demeanor to, to stone cold face. Yep. It you're right, flawless. 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 Um that's the part I was talking about that I found attractive. Wow. <laughs> I know, I know. I was like, dang it, like, oh man. It was just it was just so it was a drop of a dime. Yeah. And it was just like it was You're so perfect with her acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and she's she's an awesome actress, and I I would love to see her in more roles, just because like I feel like she's not getting as much as she deserves. I'm surprised uh, that she hasn't after this movie. She's was in a TV show called Girls on HBO. Okay, and she was the main. She was one of the main characters. Okay. Um, I don't know that show. I never watched it. Okay. But she was in it. Okay. <laughs> That's all I know. This was this was my first time 
officially seeing her as an actress. Me too. Uh, Chris drops his bag because, uh, like, he immediately, as soon as she says this, he drops his bag to the ground. And it's just like that last glimmer of hope is now gone. And he's just like, well, fuck. He's like, like, like it's now fight or flight. I'm in danger. Like, yeah. He's like, he's like, I'm, I'm either done for. I'm I need to like, try to get out. Doesn't matter. I exactly. Need to fight my way through. Everyone is standing around uh, looking at Chris to see his next move. Chris goes after Jeremy, but Miss, uh, Missy clinks the side of her tea glass with a spoon and Chris drops to the floor and his mind goes into the sunken place. While sinking, Rose has the audacity to come up to him and say that he was one of her favorites. Ugh. Now, Peter, I love how the sunken place looks. It is just uh, very well done for the sense of confinement. And I said, honestly, it reminds me of the jail in the prison system. Uh, cut back to Rod at work trying to get a hold of Chris. He uh, uh, heads back to Chris's apartment, but nowhere to be found. Um if you actually listen to the background, you'll see the intercom or you'll hear the intercom and it's just like, oh, flight 237 is boarding now, blah, 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 blah. I know you don't know that, what that means. This is why I said uh, if you, because uh, we talked about this earlier before you came in, like, oh, I want you to see Dr. Sleep and all this yeah, other yeah, stuff. Yeah. And you said you want to see The Shining and all that stuff as well. This is from The Shining. Oh. Uh, the main room in The Shining is 237. Oh, got it, got yeah. you. So That's cool. Yeah, that's a fun little little nod to that's that. That's cool. Um, Rod tries calling him again, but nothing. He sits on his couch with Sid and grabs a computer to look up some information about Dre. He, uh, he notices that there uh, was a missing persons report that was filed against him. We cut to Chris st- uh, strapped to a chair in the Armitage's uh, conditioning basement. He wakes up and starts to look around and try to get out of his restraints. There is a deer head on the wall, just another reminder of his dead mother. Uh, the TV comes on in Roman Armitage uh, explaining what is going to happen to Chris. Roman calls the process the coagula. <laughs> the coagula effect, right? Just the coagula. Oh, the coagula? Yeah. Um, and then the, the video ends with the fucked up family waving in that awesome unsettling blue font. Came back. From the title, Behold the Coagula. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Behold the Coagula. Yeah, that's uh, Chris looks up at the deer for a second, and but then the TV changes to the teacup, and he sinks once again. We cut to Rod at the police station trying to report Chris's uh, Chris missing. He sh- uh, shows the officer that the the shows the officer the picture of Andre, and then starts telling her his theory. She calls in other detectives to hear Rod's <laughs> accusations out. After Rod tells them everything, they all burst out into laughter, and Rod's just like motherfucker. <laughs> Rod is back at the apartment and tries to do his own research. He tries calling Chris's phone again, but Rose picks up this time, crying, asking for Chris. Yeah, Rose starts speaking to Rod and letting him know that Chris left uh, in a cab and forgot his phone. We cut to Rose and she is dressed very pristine in an all white turtleneck with her hair in a neat ponytail. But her face is completely stern while she is emoting emotion Yeah, with her voice only. It just shows what type of person she really, really is and how twisted she is. And how good of a fucking actor Allison Williams is. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, her her character that she's acting as is acting and it's also it, a good actor it, like, yeah. it blows me away both daniel kalula and and kaluya and uh, uh allison williams they are fantastic they are like he's great as chris she is fantastic as rose and i was like this is just perfect and you get more of that in the perfection that's why i want you to watch it okay. <laughs> uh rod tells rose that he went to the police and he's uh 
and she is slightly concerned by this and asked what he said to the police. He just tells he just tells her that uh, he told the police that he was missing. Rod is not a fool, though. He uh, asked Rose what cab company did Chris use. Rose tells Rod that she doesn't know, and maybe she, uh, it was a local cab, or maybe he called an Uber. But she uh, is really confused by the whole situation in general. And I put here, how is she gonna? How is he gonna call the Uber if he lost? If he left his phone. But anyway, yeah. Rod puts her on hold, and she, and so he can record their conversation because he knows that she's lying. He's like, I knew this bitch was lying. <laughs> uh, he tells her that Chris. Um, he tells her that Chris told him that he was hypnotized by her mother. Rose tells him to stop and starts flirting with him instead. Rod hangs up on her. Uh, the Armitage were all in the room watching her do this act. And back with Chris waking up, but this time it is Jim talking to Chris through the TV. He tells Chris that uh, there is that he can answer him because there is an intercom in the room with him. Jim starts going over the phases with Chris. Phase one, hypnotism. Phase two, conditioning, conditioning and mental prep. Phase three, transplantation. Uh, Jim tells Chris uh, that uh, he will start... Excuse me. I think I wrote this completely wrong. Jim tells Chris that he will uh, be a part of him and uh, be semi-present throughout the process. Um, he will be there, but he won't be there. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because with these phases here, these phases kind of feel like uh, slavery. Really? Yeah, because uh, with the slave trade, yeah. initially when they first went to go grab people, mm-hmm. uh, it was a they used the tactic of like, oh, we have all this stuff, yeah. And yeah. blah, blah, blah. That's true. And then they would take them. And yeah. the the mental prep, it was more physical prep for yeah. slavery. And then last was transplantation, where they put them to a completely different place that they weren't even from. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Jordan Pills a genius. Yeah, <laughs> he really is. Um uh, he will have the ability to see and hear, but as a passenger in his own body. We get flashes of Dre and Georgina to remind us uh, of the cries for help that they did, uh, that they derived to Chris. Jim tells him that he will live, but Chris cuts him off and tells him the sunken place. And uh, Jim tells her, he's like, yeah, that's what she calls it. Yeah. Chris asks him, why us? Why black people? Jim tells him that some people want to be cooler or, or, or stronger, but he wants something deeper than that. He wants Chris's eye. Now, this goes back to what you said, where uh, it, it kind of goes back to, and I guess, what we both were kind of agreeing on, where I call it casual accepticism, mm-hmm. where he goes back to just like, it's not because of your race. It's yeah. because you have a good eye in photography. Where it's just like, but there's so many photographers yeah, in this world. Right. like. Fuck you! It is because of my race. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim cuts to the trans uh, cuts to the transmission, and Chris is left alone. Chris notices that he is uh, ripping the chair until the cotton is exposed. He is sunken yet again when the TV comes back on with a tea and spoon. Uh, we cut to De- uh, to Dean and Jeremy uh, getting ready for the transplantation. Very quickly, yeah. Just want to add. I mean, I'm sure that this is deliberate with Jordan Peele, but like um, a lot of symbolism with tea. Yeah. Cotton plantation stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The tea being sweet tea from the South. Yeah. Another thing as well, uh, which I love, is the cotton Mm -hmm. um, and uh, him picking the cotton to save his life. Yeah. Um, Things like that, where that was what you had to do. Mm -hmm. You you followed followed the rules to try to stay alive as, as much as you possibly could. Yep. Well, when he cuts open the base of the skull, Jeremy um, goes, or excuse me, 
I skipped something. Oh, we cut to Dean and Jeremy getting ready for the transplantation. While he cuts open the base of the skull of Jim, Jeremy goes to get Chris from the other room. Jeremy unstraps Chris, turns his back and to grab a cigarette. Um, and I put here, back to what his mother said, cigarettes are dangerous. Yeah. Since, and if he wouldn't have turned his back on Chris to grab a cigarette, uh-huh. that probably wouldn't have happened. Yep. He would have probably had to try to outsmart this a different way. But Chris gets up and grabs a, a croquet ball and smacks Jeremy in the back of the head twice. Chris pulls out the cotton from his ears and drops it on Jeremy. And I was like, fantastic Hell touch, yeah. man. Come on. He he looks back up at the deer's head on the wall. We cut back to Dean take uh Uh, taking out the piece of brain. He looks up and calls for Jeremy. Dean goes outside the door to check on him. Chris uh, comes running down the hall with the stag's head and stabs him in the throat with it. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, let's go. That's Yeah, (laughs) when I watch it, it's fucking brutal. So good. Uh, When Dean falls down, he drops a candle and sets the cloth with uh, where Jim is on fire. And I put here um, also with the stag, it was just like his mom saved his life. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt it. When with the symbolism that I saw or I represented as in the beginning with the him being himself, him. Yeah. Him being the, the gentle creature and the omen to come and him really like becoming empowered and like finding the power within himself to really fight back. Exactly. Um, But I, I totally agree with your sense of that being his mom, right? Like also, or like symbolizing his mother and what happened to her and using that as a reminder to like keep fighting on. Exactly. Um, uh, Chris heads upstairs to start making his way out. He walks up to the kitchen and sees Georgina. She runs away immediately because she's like, oh, shit. Uh, Chris grabs his phone off the table and is about to head th- uh, head through Missy's office, but she is standing on the other end. They run after the teacup that's on the desk, and Chris smacks it off of the desk first. He looks at her while she is uh, walking closer to her mail opener. Missy stabs Chris in the hand, but he doesn't scream from pain. And I put here, he actually seems like he's enjoying it. And the main reason why I think he's enjoying it is because it is his pain. Yeah. It's no one else in his body. It's his. Yeah. He feels it. And he feels it. He's just like, this is still me. I'm still here. Yeah. And I feel like that was clarification for him. He was just like, I'm going to get out of this. Yeah. He's going to get out. Exactly. <laughs> uh, while, it, uh, uh, while the mail opener is jammed in his hand, he is able to turn it around and stab her in the eye. And I was like, fucking bullshit right here. Let's go. Uh, he starts heading towards the door, but Jeremy jumps um, jumps on his back to place him in a chokehold. While Chris is going to the uh, going for the door, Jeremy kicks, uh, kicks it closed constantly. Um, just when we think Chris might be out of, out of the fight from passing out, he tries to open the door once more, and Jeremy kicks it closed once again, but Chris stabs him in the leg uh, while uh, with the mail opener, then starts stomping on his face until he is no more. We cut to a glass of milk with a black straw and a bowl of Fruit Loops, and I put here separating the colors from the white. Yep. Uh, the song... Um, I have the time of my life is playing in Rose's earbuds while she takes a little a little bite of the Fruit Loop, and I was like, "Just eat it." Yeah, God, damn, like, that annoyed me. That disturbed me yep. more than anything. It's very in this disturbing. Movie. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Not with the point, obviously. But uh, she is on her computer looking up top NCAA prospects. Uh, the camera slowly pans out, and we see that uh, she has the pictures of all the black black people that she uh, has stolen. 
Yeah. I put stolen, mainly because that's what she fucking did. Yep. Back with Chris, he t- uh, took Jeremy's car and trying to get out of there. While trying to drive away, he's calling 911 to tell them uh, where he is. Georgina steps out in the middle of the road, and he hits her. Chris contemplates on picking her up, but he isn't strong enough to fight the urge, so he picks her up. Rose comes out of the house pointing a gun because she notices that... Uh, she heard the crash pretty much. Yeah. Um, she whispers, she whispers, Grandma. Yeah. It starts heading towards the car. That was the only part that I didn't like. I didn't like the, like, Grandma part. Well, and like, I get, I get why it yeah. was there, but we already had the connotations that they were already replaced when we got the Coagula video. Yeah, but I think for most people, they wouldn't have gotten it without that. Yeah, I guess. Um, Chris is driving with Georgina in the passenger seat, and she wakes up. She starts attacking Chris and yelling at him uh, that he ruined her house. Yeah. Uh, he crashes uh, the car and kills Georgina in the process. But you also notice that she has the scar yep. finally on her head of yep. uh, her incision, which is why Dre was also wearing the hat. Mm-hmm. Um he la 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 wow chris is coming into his senses a shot is fired at the side of the at the side mirror of the car chris gets out of the car and tries to limp away from rose walter runs past rose and uh, and charges at chris she says get him grandpa (laughs) once again not a fan of those uh during the struggle chris manages to get his phone his phone out and take a picture with uh, with a flash to snap Walter out of it for a second. Walter gets off of Chris and tells Rose to let him do it. Rose hands him the gun and Walter shoots her in the stomach, then shoots himself in the head. Fuck yeah. Goddamn. Fucking rad. Rose is still alive and tries to grab the gun once again. Chris takes the gun away and starts in. Uh, she starts telling Chris that she loves him. Um, she loves him. He starts to choke her. And whilst, while uh, doing so, she's gasping for air. But her gasps Ugh. turn into a malicious smile. Uh, I get chills, <laughs> it's so fucking She's so fucking, good. like, evil. God like, how damn fucking it. Twist. Imagine her. In, like, that's straight up. Oh, my God. That's, I feel like she's saying, let the devil take me because I belong in hell and I'm going to love it. Yeah. Oh, you know? Yeah, it's gnarly. Like, she, it's, it's such a, ru- a rough scene. It seeing is. that like Jesus Christ um, he, Chris stops um, stops choking her and lets her go because of this um, a car a cop car pulls up flashing their lights Chris gets off of Rose and puts his hands up Rose Pause. starts huh I gotta add this dude yeah when I first saw this when the cop car rolls oh up my gosh it was heartbreaking dude, I wanted to throw up it was I heartbreaking up, I was like Everyone's thinking, fuck, we all know where this is yeah, going, right? Exactly. I wanted, I like, I remember getting up and like <laughs> holding my head and pacing the room, like, no, 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 no. Please continue. My whole theater gasped. Really? Or like, not gasped. They were just, they were more like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Like I when they saw the cop lights, like, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. And, and everyone knows. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. And, and this scene, this isn't yep, how it's this. It's not the original ending. It's not. Nope. It's not the original ending. The original ending was supposed to be him actually. Well, let me finish it first. Yeah. Um, uh, Rose starts gr- uh, gasping, asking for help. The car door opens, and it's the motherfucking TSA, my boy Rod. We get shit handled. <laughs> Chris uh, gets inside the gets inside of the car. Rod looks at him and says that he told him not to go in the <laughs> house. He's like, I told you not to go in the house. Uh, Chris asks uh, Rod, "How did he find him?" And he said, "And and he says." I'm T.S. motherfucking A. We get shit handled. Fucking love. I mean, like, I like. I sometimes hate the trope of, like, 
token black dude being funny. Of course, but he was great. But yo, he was perfect. Homeboy is funny. He was perfect for that for that role. Yeah. They drive off and Rose officially takes her last breath and dies then credits. But what I was going to say the official ending was um actually him getting caught by the police and yeah. going to jail and Rod visiting him in jail. Yeah. It's 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 I'm, a rough scene. I'm glad he he changed it last minute. Yeah, and I'm glad he did. Me too. And I'm glad that he still released it as an alternate ending. Me too. Me too. Because it's always good to have the options. dark reality. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great that we live in a time where you don't have to have one and it's absolute. Right. Like you can't have this alternate dimension. Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's so interesting because uh, this actually harkens back to what we discussed earlier with our openings uh, with uh, Tanarev uh, Duye. But with Dr. Dewey, if she said, like in the beginning, where it was uh, Dwayne Jones in Nightmare, or excuse me, not Nightmare, gosh, in uh, Night of the Living Dead, because mm-hmm. uh, Dwayne Jones is a black protagonist in the 1960s of yeah. a zombie movie. Yeah. Um, and at the end of that movie, spoilers for a 1960s film, at the end of that movie, he uh, is shot by Klansmen. Mm. And because they, quote unquote, thought he was a zombie. Yeah. And that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Because he is kicking ass in this movie. He's so fucking awesome. Like, he's, he's doing everything right, and he's being a, a fucking boss, and he's taking control, and he's doing all this shit, and then he dies. Yeah. And not by a ghoul or a zombie. A bigger monster. Uh, exactly. Human. Yeah, he dies by America. Yeah. <laughs> America felt this, man. Well, anyway, we got some trivia for you here. Daniel Coolia was giving the lead role on the spot after nailing his audition. Writer, co-producer, and director Jordan Pill said uh, uh, Kaluuya uh, did about five takes of a key scene in which his character needs to cry. And each was so perfect that the single tear came down at the exact time for each take. Fuck yeah. Goddamn, so good. Sick. So good. Well, writer, co-producer, and director Jordan Peele was... I love how they keep adding that. Like he was the writer, yeah. the co-producer, and the director. Yep. Um, Jordan Peele was asked if Universal Pictures wanted him to do a sequel to the film. He stated, of course they have. It was the first thing they said. Let's do a sequel. He goes on to say, honestly, I'm open to it. I love the project, but I won't do a sequel just for some kind of cash grab. Hell if yeah. it's right, it feels good, and I feel like I can beat the original, I'll do it. The movie was filmed in 23 days. Oh, shit. Fast as shit. Damn. Yep. Chance the Rapper was so impressed by the movie that he bought all of the movie tickets from certain uh, Chicago movie theaters just so people can go see the film for free. Hell yeah. In one of his tweets uh, talking about the film, he says, just pull up with an ID and enjoy the movie. That's sick, yo. That's fucking sick. Right? Due to the success of the film, Jordan Peele uh, became the first African-American writer, producer, and director to earn more than $100 million in a debut uh, film. Bravo. Good for him, man. Good for him. Writer, co-producer, and director Jordan Peele was inspired to write the movie by Eddie Murphy's stand-up film, Eddie Murphy's Delirious, in 1983, which is fucking hilarious if you haven't seen that. It's a great stand-up comedy. I haven't seen it. Um, it's so good. Uh, Murphy joked about horror films, including Poltergeist and the Amityville Horror, and asked why white people do, uh, do not leave when there is a ghost in the house. <laughs> Murphy joked that as he was showing his wife around a beautiful house, if he heard a ghost whisper, get out, he would immediately tell her, too bad, we can't stay here baby <laughs> Bill repeated uh, Murphy's joke on the DVD commentary on of this film 
The song playing in the beginning um, of the film when Chris is, Chris is packing for the weekend is Redbone by Childish Gambino. Jordan Peele wanted that song because of the lyrics, including Stay Woke and Don't Close Your Eyes. Mm-hmm. So fucking good. So fucking good. It is good. Um, uh, let's get to a little something else here. Uh, Lil Ro, um Hare, Rod, ad-libbed a majority of his funny lines. I'm not surprised. That's so not surprising. And I'm so glad he he allowed him to do it. Improv is like the funniest. It's like, so good. One done right. Ugh, so great. great. Daniel Kaluuya uh, has said that he can relate to the party scene. He states, quote, uh, that party scene was just like, oh, I've been to that party. I'm I'm going to that party. Um, Excuse me. Like that kind of racism that isn't seen as racism. That isn't seen as kind of like mainstream racism. It's just life. And to explore that, it's quite an uncomfortable conversation. And Jordan uh, just spoke his truth. He uh, cinematically articulated an experience that millions of people go through, and they are made to feel crazy for going through that. But he just said, no, actually, you're not crazy. And we talked a lot about that. We did. Yeah. The opening of the film is partially inspired by the opening of Halloween, which Jordan Peele described as a subversion of the perfect white neighborhood. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. It really is. Um, <clears throat> the original score was created entirely by Michael Abels, who had never worked on a film before, but who specializes in traditional concert music with influences from blues, jazz, and African music. Peele found found one of Abel's orchestral uh, co- uh, compositions, Urban Legends, on YouTube and decided that this this guy could terrorize some people in this movie. I love that. So I fucking good. love that. <clears throat> it's so good. So, so good. Um, get a couple more, and then we're going to go ahead and conclude here. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, in the scenes where Chris and Rod are talking to each other on the phone, the actors were actually using the phone, but we're talking, uh, but we're talking to writer, co-producer and director, Jordan Pill and <laughs> Damn. So good. Uh, lastly here, the film joins the handful of horror films to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture, such as The Exorcist, Jaws, The Silence of the Lambs, The Sixth Sense, and lastly, Black Swan. Oh, yeah. Good for fucking him, man. Yeah. Hell Good for yeah. him. Well deserved. What a goddamn movie. Well, let us know what you feel and, and just love or hate about Get Out. Like, I mean, even if you hate this movie, I want to know. Tell us on Twitter over at Goodnight Life, and that's night with a what? Okay. And that way we can know, like, are we crazy for loving this movie? Because this movie's fucking fantastic. Hey, <laughs> if anyone has any responses or follow-up remarks to anything that Prince or I said, or me especially, like, I want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Like, I am very open to 100%. discuss and... We're I'm, an open book. Yeah, I love... You know, this is why we do this. Like, we want we want to involve you guys in the conversation. Yeah. So, by all means, join the conversation over on Twitter at Goodnight Life. But the next movie that we are going to be focusing on is going to be a dive into a psychological horror month, which I'm very excited for. But that's going to be our sickly psychos. Ooh-hoo. That's going to be fun. <laughs> that's going to be real fun. Uh, but the next movie that we're going to have for that is going to be Jacob's Ladder for that next month of March. So thank you guys so much for hanging out with us in in uh, this month. This was a great month. Once again, like I said, uh, when this month first started, this is very important to me. This is the very first time that I got to actually physically put something out for Black History Month uh, to everyone. And I'm very proud of it. And we've worked really hard on writing this show for you guys and uh Thank you guys so much for listening. Honestly, like it, it truly means the absolute world to me. And uh, I honestly couldn't continue doing this if you guys didn't listen. Uh, it, but so I'm really glad that you guys have 
given us a chance. So thank you guys. I'm glad I could have been a part of it. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like you, you're awesome. Thanks, man. <laughs> I miss Freddie. Awesome. I wish he could t- chime in, um, and he'll be here for uh, for. Uh, hopefully on the next episode. yeah hopefully he's here for sickly psychos hopefully he can he can actually join us in that one uh but yeah it's fine yeah, it's like we have freddy we didn't have david it's yeah, like yeah. it goes on and on uh but this was nightlight a horror movie podcast i was one of your hosts prince also known as head knight across from me we had david be good to each other yeah just be nice also known as nightly uh, but sweet boys, sweet boys. <laughs> our efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife, and that's night with a what? Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you'll have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Remember, everybody. Don't forget your nightlight.